Hey there, down, down, downtowns, downies, sitting, the sitting funny, standoffish, stin. We're going to figure out a name for the two and a half people listening to this show. Hey, thanks for being here. Welcome to our first ever video episode for those watching on YouTube. Trying to push to 100 subscribers on YouTube. Got like 87. Can we do it? in a three-year period. Can we get to 100? That's the push. You gotta be savage with your goals. So, welcome to this episode. Uh, really happy to interview Patrick Scott. He was great. And he is someone who's going through quitting comedy right now. Through the throes of it. Coronavirus kind of putting the final nail in the comedy coffin there while doing all the other coffins also. There's a lot of coffining from the COVID, but this is one of the good ones, apparently. He's starting to feel the weight of quitting being lifted. Yet he's not sure if it'll stick. There's a lot of talk of relapsing. So you never know. We all quit at any moment. But this is a good episode for a comedian that is going through the throes of quitting. Next week, actually, we're gonna have a comedian that's essentially flash forward 10 years, who did quit and has not looked back and is living a great life. So it's gonna be an interesting arc for these two episodes. Anyway, I appreciate you. Do your best or just try. Trying matters, just try. Uh, thanks. I appreciate the toots out of you. Let's get officially started. Welcome, Patrick. Welcome to Stand Down, how you doing? I'm doing good, thanks for having me on. I, I, I'd heard uh, Jay Lopez told me we were doing this and I was like, man, I'd like to be on that. <laughs> yeah, it just the uh, the concept got you. What what about it resonated? I'm just obsessed with that right now because I because I, I think I would still be with, I think I could still be categorized as doing it. Uh huh. Comedy with the you're you're flirting with the idea like uh, you you're our first podcast guest who is mm -hmm. in the very throes of <laughs> ripping themselves apart from the comedy identity that they have lovingly constructed. Uh, how, yeah. how long have you been in comedy? Seven years. So it's, a, that's it's not, not that long. That's long that's enough to say that that's not that long. I think once you're over that five hump, there's there's certain lessons that you'll learn that an under five comic won't. But, yeah. uh, but good, I'm just saying, the modesty. The modesty goes a long way. The more seasoned comics I'm with, the, the more they discount their time in comedy. <laughs> like, I just always have a hesitation of making sound anything I've ever done comedy wise sounding important. Like I never want to make it sound like, ooh, so, you know, like it's mm -hmm. all, when I say seven years, that's a lot of time in crappy bars talk, you know, doing jokes to nobody. There's, there's a lot of that. Mm -hmm. So I always try and not make it too. So I think some people like to pad their ego a little bit, make everything they sound, sound grand. And I almost do the opposite where I, I downplay almost everything. I, I'm much, better or worse. I much more understand and sympathize your version of it. I, I too scratch my head when I see people so confident and, and so full of, of, of just like assurance that they are the next comedy coming. And it's, you need, I, I feel like you need a certain amount of self-doubt and self-scrutiny to achieve a certain level of comedy or any art really. Um, I wonder. I wonder if Kevin Hart ever doubted himself. Do you right. You know? Right. He's a perfect example. I feel of like, like the, the killer people are like, yeah, like he was never 
because I, I like listening to him talk. I always think he's kind of, I could learn a lot from just in life about from that guy. Mm-hmm. But he always seems like he had, that guy has some gear that some people just don't have. <laughs> and it's like, I, I can't ever even dream, even like in a local comedy way, replicate that kind of hustle because I don't want to work that hard. Mm. <laughs> you know, that's, yeah. And I, you know, and, and there are people around even just the local comedy scene who have that kind of, that kind of mm. hustle. And I'm always, makes me tired you know <laughs> thinking about working that hard yeah and, and, and like getting to the point where you're working so hard i think it, there's some vulnerability there too where that i don't like i like to have some distance from my failures where it's like oh maybe i tried so hard maybe i didn't but if you're giving it your all and you fail that's fucking hurts uh-huh. and I, I, tr- I might avoid i might might be uh that's trying the, to avoid that a little bit that's definitely one of the the mind fucks of comedy in that you know, before before you even started comedy, did you have that moment where you said, "Well, I've got to give it a try. I can't not, not. I can't die and not have tried this." Yeah. And then you get to the point where you're like, "Wait, I tried it, but did I really try it? Did I try yeah. it enough of the try that I, you know?" Yeah, and I think that's the the heartbreak that I'm going through right now of like knowing that it's probably better to stop doing it for a lot of reasons, is that. Uh, you know, it's like this was a dream I had and it would tear me apart like a real deep hurt if, uh, if I just knew that it was over. Mm. You know, like I don't know if I ever if I ever thought I was going to be like a, a big famous comedian, but I always thought that uh, I don't know, maybe when I started, I wanted more out of it. And now that I, I it would break my heart knowing that that would never happen because I quit. And I think that's one of the things that stops me from quitting is killing a dream. Hmm. Right, putting the, the final nail in the coffin. Yeah, just saying like, you know, I got I'm too old or, you know, it's like if you were trying to be a model and you never became a model and you're like 48 years old, you're never going to become a model. You're too old. Uh, <laughs> well, there's, like, therein lies, uh, you know, there's similarities, but the crucial difference in that your face and your comedy age entirely differently. Yeah. That's the other thing that keeps me might want to stick around i think like 55 might be a sweet spot for me right you know you like might, bald angry you might be in that lewis black category yeah kind of the roseanne thing or whatnot uh yeah well when was the last time you did stand up uh oh man it was well so i'm still kind of active at least i mean yeah quarantine uh, right i mean everyone's so probably, been forced to quit and i'm not interviewing yeah. those people i'm only interviewing people who have before have legit quitting cred before we were forced to quit. Well, it's kind of a testament to like you're you're flirting with quitting. You were. You oh, know. I'm going to. It's just I feel <laughs> bad about it. It, it breaks my Wait. heart that I have to, because uh-huh. it's it's just it's more, it's way more sensible to quit. I think. Mm. Sensible. Yeah, I think it's like a drug, and I'm to the point where I know to, I know the drug's bad for me, but I still really want the drug. That's where I'm at right now. Mm. It's like the drug makes me sad and uh frustrated but i still like the drug and i know i need to quit the drug but god damn it i like the drug that's where i'm at right now did the drug at one point heal things or have a more there were more positive effects of the drug that have now now that you've grown a tolerance that those positives are gone oh so like they were good early on but are no longer good you know like all the classic cliches of comedy helps you get in touch with yourself, get more comfortable speaking, yeah. develop a skill set that most people don't have. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, 
for sure. Because I, when I started, I'm still very kind of quiet and not good in social situations or, you know, going into a bar and just like making conversations with people. I'm still not good with that. Mm. But seven years ago, I was like hobbled and not capable of communicating myself very well. And com- not that it, and it still holds me back a little bit. Like I'll try and do like uh, stuff for my job, like meetup kind of things. And I still have the uh, tendency to be too afraid to attend them. Mm. But thanks to comedy, I've kind of gotten better at being okay with that discomfort because right. I put myself through that for comedy. So comedy's helped me out so much, like made me a better person in so many ways uh, cool. because it just forced me to be uncomfortable. Right. Right. So you developed that thick skin or thicker yeah. and uh, along what point in that seven years was that benefit less of a big deal? And now all of a sudden there are these other things that are pulling you either away from comedy or starting to doubt comedy. What was that process of starting to walk away? Uh, I think you just see less or like, I don't know. It's the lack of reward. I think it's like, I have this hobby that I love that I put a lot of time into, but getting older, I realized that time is the most important uh, thing I have in life. It's like your time and how you spend it. And it's like, man, could I, would it be more beneficial to me in my life if I wasn't at a bar telling jokes for five minutes and waiting three hours to do it? Mm-hmm. And, um, and, what, and whatever it stopped me from getting past that point where maybe I have more booked gigs um, so that I don't have to do that, that never happened. It's just, you, you do that for so long. It's like, this, is, this seems like I'm, I could be better spending my time. Like I, if I was doing sit-ups, all the time that I was waiting an open mic, I'd have great abs. <laughs> and like, I just want, I'm sitting there going like, man, I could be working on my abs right now, you know, <laughs> right. or like, or like working on my portfolio for my job. And maybe that means I don't have enough passion or like, I'm not bought in enough to actually um, risk enough to actually pursue it wholeheartedly. I've always been one foot out kind of guy. And I think that's really hurt my progress as a comedian mm. is because I'm not, risking it all i'm not going like i'm quitting my job uh i'm making my money through comedy sink or swim i never have i never have the courage to do that and i think that's why i don't know other people i might not have grown as much as i could because i didn't force myself to do that and Mm. for better like i'm glad i didn't do that probably you know that's hard that's something i'd like to dig into cat um damn cat the um I like to kind of play with the multiverse sometimes and imagine yeah. what what Ooh. would that have been like? What if you had, in your terms, you didn't feel like you fully committed. What would a fully committing looked like? Wow. And what would you be like had you done that for five or seven years? Because in this world, it's, it's increasingly hard to do comedy without some sort of job. Yeah. And bless you if you can scrounge by and, and do it. But yeah. most of the people I talk to, they they can't develop comedy when they're worried about if they're going to keep the lights on. Yeah. So, so, so again, what, what is fully committing to comedy in your eyes? I wonder, because there was a time. So the reason why I started doing comedy was because when I got out of college, I couldn't find a job really quick. And I, need, and I just kind of had all this aimless energy. Um, and I kind of dedicated it to comedy. So I wonder, I don't know, man. I still don't think I'd be that much farther along in my career. <laughs> well, we'll say like, instead of getting a, having a job, you, you 
through passion to the wind or caution yeah. to the wind rather. And uh, you said, I'm going to work from gig to gig and I'm going to start hustling, trying to get road gigs. I mean, is that, is that the alternative? Like how, what is fully committing and what is banging your head against the wall in a, in a struggle that doesn't have long-term like survivability? I, you know, and I think I would just had to have been comfortable with that, like, medium of like just barely scraping by and doing road gigs and stuff like that but even i feel like there's i heard someone say there's like no middle class in comedy and it's very true it's like you're either make like there's some people barely making it by and then there's some people who are just make you know making a great living doing it and there's not really a strong middle class so you know i think my wife and i would have a if i did you know commit everything to comedy i think we would have a way different lifestyle Hmm. and and like and I would have been it would have been too much of me to ask of her I think that was always the thing that that I because I because I've been with my wife for a very long time and she was she, I've been with her this whole time um I've been doing comedy and I was always conscious of like okay I have this thing that I like to do and that I really enjoy and I was always um hesitant to ask her to sacrifice too much for me to do it and you know and I and I don't think I would ever do that like I don't think I would ever want to make sure you know i'd rather have her her stability in life is important to me and so oh god i can't even imagine saying okay like, hey, i'm quitting my job and we're and i'm doing comedy because i really and i really don't think i could make it because i think this the, the 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 numbers are too low like I, you know mm-hmm. how many people are out there giving it their all and do and actually being and being like crazy funny mm-hmm. and and not putting like there's more than I even know. Like I see these people right. on podcasts all the time. I'm like, this person's hilarious. I've never heard of them. Um, and there's just a million of those people. And that's the other thing where I, I quit too, or I'm quitting, or I'm in the process of quitting, <laughs> is I just constantly stumble across people who I go, how is this person not, you know, like mm-hmm. more famous? And this person's so much more funnier than me and is struggling. And I don't have the confidence in myself to think that I could do better than those people. Because I'm like, these people are fucking crazy talented and they're struggling mm-hmm. i don't trust myself to have the talent to i know i'm just saying i don't have the talent to be better than these people so i'm not gonna fucking you're, throw you're my sure of that oh yeah probably i don't know maybe if i <laughs> gave it my all right. that's I the mean, weirdest there's that delusional that's, aspect you kind of need to be able to convince yourself that everyone in the world yeah. needs to hear what you have to say well delusion becomes the truth so easily like if you just believe you're really good um, and that, that confidence could make you grow a lot quicker than someone who's like trying to cut themselves off the knees because they don't, mm, uh, right. they don't believe, believe in them. themselves all the time. Yeah. So I think there's what there's, there's, there's two sides line. of it. Yeah. And I don't know, man, it's, I just, it just, the thing is, I know I need to quit and it just breaks my heart because I love it. I do love it. I really enjoy it. I remember I was on a camping trip when I was a kid. And I had uh, my grandpa take me home early because I wanted to watch Jay Leno's monologue because something had happened mm. that night. And I wanted to hear what Jay Leno had to say about it because I was a big Jay Leno guy. I take, like the only so was I before I developed maturity. <laughs> I loved it, man. I was, no, he's, so I've he's always great. had, I've always loved it. And, and I have, uh, and that's what, that's what's hard about it is that I do want to keep it doing it, but I don't like, I would hate to have to do it like once every three months and be that person who's like, you're never going to get a good, you're always going to be reheating stuff. You're never going to actually get momentum creatively mm. or performance wise. Yeah. It's if you do it three months, like I would have to do it at least once or twice a week. And I, that's still a lot to ask um, mm. of my time and, 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 and stuff. So it's like, 
I'm just so I know so the idea of being a hobbyist is revolting to you <laughs> <laughs> a little bit personally because I know this kind of addresses the question you had before is like I know that I could uh, be better if I worked harder or if mm -hmm. I dedicated myself more because a little bit I have like I work pretty hard for a hobbyist and I've seen a lot of growth growth that I'm very proud of as a performer and I think that if I that's the other thing that's hard I know I know if I put in the time and work hard I will continue to get better because I, I I have confidence in myself in that way mm. but then like I don't know if it's worth it sorry I'm hearing a lot of like cost benefit analysis here return on investment is it too soulless is it too like no I think I think it really has to do with age because that's kind of the reason I'm here too now uh yeah I'm you know uh, through my 20s, I did comedy, and there was a certain fearlessness about it. And then my 30s hit me hard. And oh, yeah. just things that I had always been comfortable with, like mortality, suddenly bubbled up in weird new ways. And um, yeah. considering all these other things, like this is something I want to dig into is you have a wife and kids. You know, I have a, I have a girlfriend, but I'm at the point now where I'm starting to think about that kind of life stuff. And yeah. that's essentially what got me to feel a little not only pushed me away from comedy but eventually pushed me to stop feeling bad about it because not only is comedy always there and it'll be there uh but you get to redefine your relationship with comedy okay in a way that comedians don't and there's something about quitting comedy that almost feels more comedy than doing comedy <laughs> because now I'm off stage looking at those comics, making fun of them <laughs> in a way that comics make fun of everyone else. But with that comic knowledge and I'm still not myself officially quit either. Uh, I still write and do all kinds of stuff and flirt with the idea of going to Mike's once in a yeah. blue moon. And, but you know, I, there was a long process of, really beating myself up and questioning myself. What have I done? Am I really yeah. throwing it all away? It's a waste. Does it mean nothing? You know, um, how I much mean, of that is internal, you know, or how much of that is how other people view you? You know what I'm saying? Like uh, how much of that is like, I don't want, uh, I'm trying to figure out how to best to say this. Mm -hmm. um, I, like, okay, go keep going. Well, I kind of get what, what you were saying. Cause what I was going to ask was, fairly vain or just at least personal question like when do you because i did comedy with you many times for i guess at least five i was here i've been here for five years when did mm -hmm. you if at all notice me fade away or like is that something you noticed just as an exercise uh, of do, do people notice that stuff i i would notice it just because i would just notice how you uh, yeah actually you had an interesting way of coming and going a lot and then you would be like, then you'd come and be like really funny. And then, then you'd disappear. I'm like, where the fuck that guy go? And then the other thing too, is when you would show up, you'd be, you'd have good premises too. And I'm like, oh man, this, I don't know. Some people come back and aren't funny and you were just always fresh funny. And I always thought that was very impressive. Cause it's like, this person could pick up and be funny. Even with right. maybe a little like dust. The wrong parts, like the parts that need to be worked on are, obvious you know like the the stuff we're worried about is there right like the funny bones intact and then just like getting warm and getting loose and getting yeah that season well I, we anyway i appreciate uh i guess what you're saying on that and and think of like <laughs> what 
I'm bad at taking compliments. Um, but can I make you more uncomfortable? Should I give you more confidence or uh, I'm compliments? Tr- I'm trying to like, cause part of this podcast, it's so vain. Like I've done podcasts. No, totally. This whole thing is vain where I'm like, that's why I want Yeah, exactly. Stand up itself is vain. And now it's like this kind of glamor project about, but it's not a glamor project, obviously, because those are for successful people, first of all. And, uh, but I wanted to, that's why I wanted to talk to you about it because I wanted to talk about somebody with this, but I didn't want to burden anybody with such a self-important conversation. You know, like right. I didn't want to, I don't want to burden my wife with a conversation about how I love telling jokes to drunks in bars and how it breaks my heart, you know, and I, mm. I feel like it's so, I'm so self-conscious. I mean, yeah, of, uh, it's a personal thing. And, and if you were talking yeah. about it to everyone and boring, it'd be them, insufferable. That, that I've met those people. Thing. Yes. That's the worst. Yes. But this, this podcast is a safe space for venting, which is a yeah. healthy way to get hot air out of you before you explode. Not whining. We're not just circling <laughs> our wheels and banging our head against the wall. Cause that's, I think what a lot of people get caught up in doing because comedy chews a lot of people up. And I think it yeah. takes a certain maturity in comedy to be able to step back and notice that. Like how you said, do yeah. I want to spend all night in a bar for that five minutes? When yeah. That five minutes used to be the highlight of my month. Now that five minutes is like a pit stop, a very big speed bump on my way home to like this greater life that I'm living. Yeah. And uh, I think in in getting, in getting perspective outside of that bubble too, I think so many of my opinions about these things are within the comedy perspective. Once I take like a step outside of it, I go like, Oh man, that's kind of all this stuff of like worrying about getting booked on shows and, and uh, making sure I have new bits so people don't judge me. uh, And like, Oh, the hierarchy hierarchy of comics. Oh yeah. Once you get out of that bubble and you could see, if from a new perspective you realize there is some silliness in it that's 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 probably not good for your mental health because um, i think one of the best things about if i were to quit comedy is to get off social media entirely because part of me is on there because you get booked on shows through there and and, and if i could uh, right. get rid get rid of comedy and social i'd have to do both at the same time very much so because if there's I know there's no middle ground where you can be a human on social media. It's such a necessary evil for comics now. Huh? It's just, it'd make me so jealous mm. being able to see everyone doing shows and me not. How many I likes that person it. got with their low effort post just because they're <laughs> connected and well liked. I was talking like maybe a few years ago about somebody who was thinking about quitting and they were like just drunkenly furiously saying everything they were mad about and the culmination was and this person got so many likes for this post and it was it was clear how important uh even the hierarchy of like facebook likes weighs on comedian psyche (sighs) and i hate that too i I feel i feel it i'll 100 admit to feeling that too in any way like i i've been sad at people getting booked on digital comedy shows and me not and i have no interest in doing a zoom comedy show right but But i'm i'm jealous that he got it (laughs) It's like, there was some joke. It was like, um, God, what was it? It was like, oh God, I can't remember. I'm bad. I remember jokes, but I can't tell them very well. It's like, I'm either going to kill myself because you invited me to the party because I hate parties or I'm going to kill myself because I'm sad you didn't or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I could see that where it's like, man, I want to get invited to a party, but I don't want to come. I just want the, I just want the invite. Sure. A classic no win situation that yeah. comedians love. Yeah. Yeah. But so that, and that, that, that whole hamster wheel of worrying about, people and who's better and who's advancing and stuff. I just really don't like how it makes me feel. 
Yeah. Did you, did you get to a point where you started climbing that ladder, um, getting booked on better shows, being in green, green rooms with people and starting to hear people let loose and talk shit about other comics or <laughs> all that kind of stuff? Not enough. I love fucking gossip. I mean, if I could keep comedy and <laughs> gossip, I'd love the gossip, man. I really do okay. love that so we have this small like. community where people, yeah, man, that's great. You were just like, saying the social and the hierarchy stuff is maddening and that's a big part of it. So, but you it, like that part of it. It's duality of the drug, man. There's high, there's mm. good, the good, there's bad. I do love the gossip. <laughs> like when, the, when, I mean, you can't tell me if there's a good Facebook comedy battle going on you don't go like oh let's look at these freaking comments oh well yes of course yeah it's, mean, it's a bad drug yeah there's the, there's some documentaries that could be made about facebook uh social media <laughs> battles and that might be a hilarious I, wanna, I would like to interview some of the people um involved in like some of the big denver ones that went on a few years <sighs> ago um because that would be i would hate how much energy those people would bring to that conversation and passion. Yeah. Like you guys can't get over this shit that was on Facebook. Like I would, there'd be some crap on my part to have to like keep a certain tone and, and prepare <laughs> for, you know, a certain level-headedness and retrospective kind of aspect. Yeah. Uh, you'd have to watch like some fancy debate. Like you'd actually have to have solid speech and debate rules. Like yeah. you give a, <laughs> you give a speech, you give a speech, then we have a mix up this part and then we go. Like, you know, no debate. Yeah. No, I just interview, you know, interview the, the gals one-on-one. Um, that's interesting. But yeah, it's like, that's all that's, part of it. And all stuff that's like, kind of, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that scene stuff. So more stuff that you're essentially wasting your energy on that you want to use your energy for things like, not disappointing your beloved partner <laughs> and yeah being a good father which is something that's recently happened yeah and i think the baby things like i mean i don't have to say a giant game changer for like perspective and stuff because hmm. i think my wife did at certain points have to really i don't know uh, be kind to how much she let me do comedy all the time like I remember she would always sleep on the couch until I got home because she didn't want to go to bed without me. So she'd always have to fall asleep on the couch because I was getting home at like one or 11. And then from there we would go to the the bed because she didn't want to go in the bed without me. And uh, just other like things that she had to do where she was, she was very generous that uh, I don't want to have to do that. I don't think I don't want to do that with a kid. So you weighed that weighed on you because there's certain comedians and maybe it's the more delusionally confident ones that, completely neglect their spouses and kind of like they're like you know they put their foot down and say hey this is what i do this is who i am uh whether we whether i started while you knew me or not whatever uh but prepare to be disappointed and (laughs) you just said no like you could you could see the concessions being made and how they started to grow as time went by the the allowing you to get to go out for a night became or not allowing you but you know, agreeing as a couple that yeah. this is like how you're going to spend X amount of hours a week that, that hours, those hours dropped. Yeah. And uh, she was always very generous and very giving with that. But I, I always mm-hmm. had a rule that if she said, Hey, can you please stay home? Or I got a sense that she wanted me to stay home that night. Then unless it was like something really important that I just immediately nixed it and made sure that she, that I was there and then spending time with her. So I think I've always had a good, a good rules, like a good rule set where I wasn't making, I was never putting comedy before her. 
And, and you don't regret and, not, or you don't regret maybe envisioning a thing where like, you can just throw everything at comedy, that, that full, like you alluded to earlier, had you given it a hundred percent or what would, right. It's like, you can't imagine that hundred percent because it would be so unlike your character to manipulate your environment to give you that 100% because it would be like depriving your wife of the, the love and attention you normally give her and your yeah. job of the attention you give it and your anything else you'd like to do as a human, you know, comedy demands yeah. all and will take every, every hour you give it every second. And I think part of my, the reason why I have such a hard time when you ask me like, what does that 100% look like? Mm -hmm. And what is, what is your life? What is that, that alternate reality look like? Mm -hmm. I have trouble even comprehending it in my mind because my mind has trouble comprehending a universe where my wife isn't with me and is an important part that right. I have to. Wow. So she's not measure. even in that picture, right? It's not like she's the super supportive partner who's just giving all her energy to you. You're like, no, nah, I'd, I'd probably be single because <laughs> I'd be a dirtbag who wouldn't be able to give affection to another person. Just <laughs> I like, just can't I remember. Just... I, can't, I, I can't imagine a universe without her. Mm. My brain has trouble imagining that, and I, I don't want to imagine that too. So that's why I was always, that's sweet. it was always in the background, is because a comedy was always in the background, is because I did have something I knew that I, that was uh, not was more important than comedy. I mm -hmm. think maybe that hurts hurts a comedian when the most important thing in their world isn't comedy, because it's mm -hmm. as much as I love it, it's never been the most important thing to me. I've always had yeah. other things in my life that were more important to me. And so it's always been a hobby that I really have. I have passion for, but it's, it's nothing. So you've always considered yourself a hobbyist in a way. God, I think it holds me back because I, I self-define as a hobbyist, but I've always, since I'm not putting it you all walk the line, I think, because there's, I think you're being a little modest. Maybe, but I, I always, um, someone who's out there trying to like make their living doing comedy would categorize me as a hobbyist. Cause I'm not. Oh boy. Those, yep. Yeah, those hustle people. Yeah. yeah. They'll make you feel, they'll make you feel inferior. If you, uh, if you let those people, Oh man, I'm out every night, yeah, 17 oh. mics a week. If, if you're not doing that, you're not doing comedy brother. It's like you are uh. crumbling. Uh, you're rotting from the inside out. Good person. You must, yeah. uh, you know, I think that's part of the game though too, is there's a certain class of comedian, whether it be their personality type or how, how young you are as a comedian, where you just fall head over heels in love with comedy and you need to shout that from the rooftops. And sometimes yeah. it's just, you know, it's almost like coming of age. I love comedy so much more. Do you guys understand? <laughs> Do you understand how much I love it? It's like, okay, yeah. I like, think that's more of a, that's more like of a, a teenage infatuation with comedy than like a, an honest love, you know? Or like, I think, I think some people two, love the community. Two to four a lot of times. Yeah. Or one to, yeah. one to three, you know? And I always, I was never the person, like I always wanted to go out a lot you know, three to four times a week. But I was those people who were like, I did 20 mics in a week and that was good. I was like, well, I saw you at many of those mics and you were doing the same bit over and over again and not like learning and growing in between each one. Mm -hmm. and, and so uh, I've always, that's just always such a dumb thing. Like I'm just going to go rack up numbers. Like it's a high score thing. It's like, well, right. work smarter, not harder. Like if you could do, you could do, be way more productive and with half that work if you do it the right way, if you're, if you're smart about it. And and that's what, and I've gotten pretty good at like, cause I, I try and limit my time at mics now. 
So I like, I get there early to get high up on the list and I, I listen to my sets afterwards and I make sure that I'm making good time or good progress with the, the little stage time that I want to mm-hmm. want to be up there with. And so, and I'm always trying new bits out at mics because I know that that's what they're for rather than trying to get like, you see people now or like who are starting just looking for like, okay, I need to get the, the laughs and stuff. Whereas now I've kind of honed it down better of developing material at mics by um, having like, okay, I'm going to listen to it. I'm going to make these adjustments. And so I'm, I've, I've been, I've worked out a decent process of, of developing material through crappy mics that are not worth <laughs> the time sometimes, but it's like, God, it's which, like, which is what, like 50% of mics generously. Are, are not worth going like crappy mics about oh, you know yeah. when you might not be able to get something from a crappy mic but someone else might have a lesson that they need to learn from that crappy mic oh for sure but uh but, but some people are going to those things and not learning anything yes. and then convincing themselves Most. that they've got something out of them when you just be realistic and sometimes it is worthless so when is a hobbyist just a comedian who is working smart uh, when's a hobbyist? It's like, oh, I did eight hours worth of comedy this month. I'm a hobbyist. Oh, I did 10 hours worth of comedy. No, I was just going to mic sufficiently and using my, <laughs> yeah. writing my material at home and honing it to a certain level before I take it to the mics because you're yeah. a more seasoned comic. Yeah. You know, I don't know. It might just be attitude. It might just be. It could be. Yeah. I, me calling myself a hobbyist might be me distancing myself from too much emotion. I don't know why I call myself. I just, mm-hmm. I know people work harder than me and I know people have more, um, more skin in the game right? And, than me. And that's why I call myself a hobbyist. So it's, and, it's a certain like respect and humility for the game itself, which a, a little you, bit. you might say that the people who are hustling hard might not even have that respect for the game because they are, they're so eager to crowd the airwaves and pollute <laughs> the environment with their maybe not the best comedy because they're so focused on blasting it out. They're not self-criticizing and refining. Yeah. Well, I think part of me calling myself a hobbyist has at least maybe too much self-awareness mm-hmm. applied to it. I think that helps me as a comedian is that I am very self-aware. When I think some people, especially new comics, are completely unself-aware about how the world is viewing them and like how fucking crazy they are. Or they think they're Doug Stanhope and we all see that you're just a drunk <laughs> asshole. Right. You know? And so I think the the self-awareness has helped me a little bit. But also, yeah, I do, I do downplay everything. I'm just like a negative Nelly. Mm. And I've been trying to get better at that so much. But I just have such a bad, uh, or at least a negative skew on the world. Like one day I was like, you know what? I'm just going to be happy today. I'm just going to think happy thoughts and not negative thoughts. And it was amazing how different my day was. Uh, when I did that, but it was like holding in your gut the whole day. Like I couldn't do it for very long. <laughs> I was just like, man, I got to get negative. Right. It's a muscle you have to, to flex, but yeah, right. I'm you get to decide, person. you get to decide how you react to things. And uh, you know, it sounds like part of the dilemma or the fallacy of comedy is like, it sounds like if you aren't successful at it, then you have wasted your time it's natural to feel that way though i mean it's i kind of i i but, but i don't feel that way at all though mm-hmm. because i did grow as a person and i'll tell you one of the things that i've been most proud of is like i remember i was writing jokes when i very first started in my living room and i was like walking around like coming up with riffs in my head and and being very natural and i was nowhere close to doing that on stage and i did that recently and i was like that's my biggest achievement i ever had 
in comedy was being getting to the point where I was as natural in my living room as I was on stage. I'm like, is that my is that my brass ring that I get to grab? And I think it really makes me feel good. And maybe that is what the whole seven years were about was just mm. that that was that brass. You know, I, I it wasn't anything I could hang up on a wall or point to or anything tangible, but it was like a a sign of a lot of hard work accomplished is that I, I, I actually did that and was as natural on stage as I was in my living room. And I'm like, man, was that my, my fucking walk off? You know, mm. like, was that my moment where I walk off going like, dude, I did it. Interesting. I'm, you know, I don't need to chase like a fucking TV show. Uh-huh. I don't need to chase, you know, being a, at a past the comedy club. I, you know, got to the, was actually 100% in a flow state in on stage being myself and doing really well. And I was like, man, I, I, I had to take a moment and go like, man, that was, that was because of hard work. That was because of all these shitty mics and all these things that I got to have that experience of like being a good comedian. Hmm. And you just chase that dragon. Dude, like that's I bombed the next that's, night. Congrats. I mean, that's to be able to even recognize that moment is, is significant. And being, uh, oh, you know, I downplay everything. Especially but for a negative Nelly, myself, yeah. as you self-described. But it was such a good feeling. And um, it was all because I, cause I had worked hard. I did all those things. But I'm like, okay, is that is that my ultimate goal? And if I'm trying to, like, look for goals within rather than from the outside world, then, yeah, that was, that was an, a major achievement that I did that night. And um, if that's all I get out of it, I'm actually... I, I loved, I had so much fun. Like if that's what the ultimate goal was, then I'm glad I got to experience that. Cause some people uh, will never experience that kind of thing of like being in a flow state, a performing flow state right. and, uh, and, and really being and and having like a bunch of work payoff in that moment. Like if that's all that comes out of this, out of seven years of hard work, I'm actually, I, it makes me feel good. Right. Because I was like, man, that's so, that's how much I love this shit. It sounds like, like a movie that. or something. It's yeah. like, like a, a seven year journey to become as funny on stage in public as you have been your whole life personally among those yeah. who know and love you. To be able to it's just kind of, return to that. Like you, you, yeah. you, you're so funny and then you start comedy and then you immediately take thousand steps backwards in being funny. And then like to get so hard. to zero is significant. Yeah, that's yeah. literally what it is. It's to get back to zero was to be, yeah, was was the hardest thing to do. And it's like, oh, I just remember being being that person starting, thinking about this has made me think about the person I was when I started. And I was so scared of everything comedy related. And, like and I'm kind of going into a bar and talking to people. Um, On stage I remember, yeah, I remember going into Kinga's one night and it was just like every comedian that scared me was right there when I opened the door because <laughs> Kinga's bar is right there. Mm. And I like did a fucking 180 and left because I was so intimidated. <laughs> you just left immediately. I was so, I'm so, yeah. I, I flee. When I get scared, I run. And I just like, I remember. Hey, it's one of the big two, honest. you know, flight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good to know which and, one you're going to choose. It's, it's not good to have to figure it out. <laughs> never i'm never gonna choose fight <laughs> flight or flight like i can't imagine a situation where i don't very fast flight right yeah it's either uh flight, flight or just stand panicked frozen waiting to get mauled by whatever well now you have uh, just run myself or protect the family thing you got a whole new wrench in the works for you it's crazy man it's crazy babies are really slow 
He's getting fast though. It's crazy. Like the, they grow so quickly. Mm. And that's another thing that just kind of breaks my heart. And I don't want to miss any of it is because they grow up so quickly and you're like really proud for every little step they take. Like, you know, literally he's starting to take steps, but also breaks your heart a little bit because you know that you're never going to get that, that earlier stage that you were in love with back. And so that's another thing where it's like, man, I can't be at an open mic when my kid walks for the first time. Mm. I can't be doing something that I don't know that's, I don't know, worth it when I have stuff that I'm going to hate if I miss. Yeah. No, and it's never, it's, you know, I can never envision, envisioning, at least I hope I don't choose comedy over him with those things. And I'm not good, you know, I haven't, um, maybe if it was my job or if I was like on the verge of something, Mm -hmm. maybe I could uh, justify that, but. Because there's plenty of people who do. There's plenty of people going, oh, he walked cool, baby. I'll check out his 18th step later tonight. Yeah, and maybe it's good for them. Like, it could be good for them. I'm not going to. I'm just playing devil's devil's bad advocate. (laughs) Yeah. But, like, I, you know, and I could have seen myself maybe being that person. Like, but having been a dad for a little bit, I really can't. Like, I really want to be there for those things. And I think other people, depending on their their position that it makes sense but for me and like i have a career outside of comedy it it doesn't make sense at all um but god damn it i still love it so what hurts so bad about about stopping when you've already had such a mixed view of your efforts versus what to expect out of it you didn't have these crazy ideas that you were expecting to have your own hbo special and you'd spend all day fantasizing you know but but yet stopping comedy slightly more than you're doing it is is giving you great you know anxiety or, or pain of some kind it makes me sad man it feels yeah. like a death or a breakup because mm. i like it so much are and you gonna, are just, you gonna uh, keep in touch with comedy no it's one of those it's one of those relationships where you have to delete the account <laughs> oh no you, got, you could never you have any contact with, on the comedy no man i have to like you have to fight. You got to burn everything. Ooh, you could be on every comedy. every Zoom virtual show in the country. Just just burn and <laughs> throw them all in a downward yeah. spiral. <laughs> but yeah, dude, it's it's. I will have to. I will completely detox from it. And I think I'll be better for it. Mm. But it will be hard. But it's. But I think the hardest thing is like I think of funny bits and I'm like, man, what do you do with it? What do I do with this? I like. <laughs> I love bits. Like I. I really, I'm a joke guy and I'm like, oh, this is a funny bit. It's an interesting perspective. And if I'm not doing comedy, then there's no, what is, how does this thing get, get, get life beyond my, that's a great my brain? question. You've, you've uh, flexed this certain muscle that's now, you've, you've created a, a, an yeah. active voice in the chorus in your head. And now, now that you've taken away that voice's, you know, ecosystem, where, what, how do you re- apply it how do you redirect it you know the comedy voice can be very scathing can be very one that tears down one that addresses inadequacies and inequalities and when you turn that 100 percent on yourself that can be pretty rough or the people around you (laughs) yeah man i already do that a little bit though like my wife and i were watching the nfl draft last night and i couldn't help but like i don't know make jokes about every goddamn thing that was happening and i think it was like uh, pent up comedy energy. <laughs> yeah, I think it was like, man, I, that guy's got a silly hat. Hey, give me some laughs. I got a riff on that. Got a riff, man. I'm like, got my riff muscles. Uh, this is, up. You're kind of a comedy vampire now, where you have to every <laughs> once in a while stalk with the darkness and release a torrent of bits and gags before you <laughs> need can, some comedy methadone. It's like a werewolf or so. Yeah, this is <laughs> dark thing. 
Um, but maybe I could like transition into something. Like maybe those those uh, those silly thoughts don't have to die hmm. on the vine. Maybe there's some some other place where I could put them that's a little bit better. Like maybe I could do online skits or something. I don't know, man. Like maybe there's a better way or a better spot for those or you know comics or something like. Right. Do you, do you feel like those things would be lost if you were just happy being funny? Like if you're at the very base bones, what you're going to just do is be a funny person at some points, either, either hopefully not too much on, but hopefully just now comedy has taught you to be an even funnier person than you've been before. Um, but, but, but is it a shame when you come up with those bits and now you're like, what can I put it? What, how do I, <laughs> how do they get out? Yeah, well, the thing too is I'm not a funny person in real life. Like I'm not, I've had so many people, like, I remember this couple came up to me after a show and said, oh man, you must be so good to hang out with. And then it was just kind of awkward after that when I didn't know what else to say. And I was like, yeah, I'm not. <laughs> you proved I'm them not, wrong in the fact. Yeah, I'm like, immediately. <laughs> like, so there's. Uh, I'll show you. Me an outlet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll show you. I'm super not fun to be around. Like I'm, Let's like, I'd much rather have a politics conversation than, a, uh, than like tell you jokes. Mm. I like rather have a sobering a philosophy conversation than hmm. like uh, do a bunch of dick jokes. So you think it was like a matter of time before if this hadn't pulled you out of comedy, something would have, or just it was it kind of so faded? depressing. Yeah. It also just gets so depressing too, because I think just when you don't achieve anything, you're at the same spot and there's people who started around you aren't there anymore. And it's either because they quit or because they've achieved something where they don't have to go to open mics anymore. Mm. And that is like a very dark, depressing uh, position to be in. And it's, it's hard. You really, I really have to work hard not to be overcome with cell, you know, depression when you're in that position. Jealousy, when you're like, oh. guilt over the jealousy. Egg. Right. And these are your friends. These are your best friends who you, yeah. you like know and love and support their jokes. And then it's, you, ha- yeah. you have to feel incredibly happy for them when they, they move on up but right you can't help but the other side of that coin feel like oh what about me and where's this guy and oh wow i'm right yeah. like your your whole class as it were your comedy class of the year you know that <laughs> those people can can really define your comedy experience sometimes independent of your your actions you know kind of your yeah, peers totally. totally and if and you know it's like I'm all I'm ever looking for is a lot of validation through some of these things, you know, some of these like achievements and, um, what do you mean all I'm ever looking for? Like, could the benchmarks like do of the comedy? Like, yeah. If I, if I like, when I do the new face competition, I'm not doing it for any other reason than I want to feel like I'm good at this. Like I want some sort of like measurable that I haven't got out of any other thing that, um, like, give me something, hmm. something. I mean, like, New you Faces much... is a perfect example of, of that's like a, a great microcosm of just all the, the anxiety <laughs> and all the insanity of being a comedian, all getting funneled yeah. through this one looking glass, through this one sieve. And yeah, I mean, com- comedy contests in themselves is like such an interesting offshoot of how comedy has to present itself to the greater landscape and just one of the, the boxes we have to force ourselves into, which can be very good for some people and can be very bad for other comics. Oh, how how Gosh. did the, how did dealing with that kind of stuff? The the new phases contest, you know, for those who don't know, it's just the the biggest comedy contest in Colorado in Denver every year. Comedy Works puts it on, and there's lots of comedy contests. Any every state has them. Usually they're in clubs and stuff. And as much as I hate them, 
uh, and have always hated you hate that, clubs um, or no, comedy no, competitions. Comedy competitions. Okay. Uh, I do. I do recognize their value. Um, yeah. Kind of man. They've been but, a giant yeah, to make me feel bad about myself machine. Hmm. Like, because it's always been a thing where the only thing I've ever had. I think I. You know, I have confidence that I think I'm good at comedy. And then I've never really done good in that competition. So when you get out of it, you have this cognitive dissonance where it's like, man, am I being delusional? And you really have to go like, I, and I don't, I've never been able to like figure that out. It's like, do I think I better, do I think I am better than I am? I don't know. And that's what always those comedy competitions send me into is like a, a doubt spiral where it's yeah. like, dude, I think I'm being delusional. Mm-hmm. I think that time I killed, I was, I was sucking. I wasn't doing great at all. Like it'll make you rethink every good or bad time ever. Right. And it's never, it's never when I bombed, did I really kill? No, it's always, I did great that night, but were they just laughing because the last person was funny and because I just had a, you know, a weird vibe or a silly moment or. Or you just, or just completely misreading the world. Like, you know, like I always have that fear where it's like, man, I thought that was good, but sometimes I go back and listen to really old sets where I thought I did well. I'm like, man, that was dog shit because i'm like better now and i'm like okay maybe i'm well, always well i mean the, the negative nelly shit you'll that me the one equalizer is the, the laughter is what we have you know without yeah. with other art you can endlessly debate whether it's good or bad but in that moment if there's an audience they will define it's good or badness and you can argue with that but you know oh, you can totally argue with that and we do oftentimes and yeah it's like oh they're laughing that shit i mean for a contest like that, you're you're giving it a ton of credit. Do you think you're giving it too much credit in defining whether you're a good or bad comedian? I mean, it's like you do one five minute, not even how much? It's like four, three minutes sometimes. It might be five. Might yeah, be five. I think okay. Either way, uh, but to define your entire you know comedy essence and everyone's kind of like finessing their comedy. Oh, should I do this? I gotta judge it for this reason. This works good yeah. in the clubs. Last person, last week, this guy did jokes about Uber and it crushed and this person did <laughs> things. So I'm gonna, yeah. you know, that's the kind of stuff that I feel like the comedy greats of the past didn't, maybe they couldn't obsess over it because there was less comedy, but they didn't waste their time worrying about all the other pathways of famous comics because people were still defining all those pathways. And yeah, I don't know, entertainment's such an amorphous thing to be in. So totally. it, it can, it's this a complete lack of structure in so many places that can let the mind just spiral and turn to mush. Yeah, totally. And like, and like it, in, and it impact your like growth as a performer or like creating something like I've had to work hard to like not be overwhelmed by jealousy and, uh, and that, and that just energy, that's just negative energy worrying about where other people are and what they're doing. Like it's, I think even when, even when the comedy's done, I think the, the skills that I've tried to get good at and still are not great at of ignoring how good other people are doing and being, being more uh, obsessed with my process, you know, like having being a horse with blinders on instead of looking around. Um, that's going to help me a lot, even with, with everything in life, you know, like when I'm in, if, like I, I was running at Wash Park before the fucking coronavirus thing. Mm-hmm. And it helped me had, had doing comedy to know that like some people were just going to fucking look like it's easy as shit and run really fast and I'm just going to be there going as fast as I can at my own pace and to, and to be okay with that. And mm. I think that was, I always thought that was a good analogy for comedy. It's like, you know what? There's some people who are just way better than me and going to get past and going to mm. go farther Sprint. than me, but you know what? Yeah. But I'm just going to keep here doing my steady, 
my steady jog. A little tortoise hair action. A little bit, but like, what if the hair never stopped in that race? The hair wins. <laughs> the hair is lapping your ass. Yes. Yeah. You have to, the only reason why the tortoise was in, was uh, in competition because the hair was so grossly incompetent. He was definitely a, a trust fund kid, for sure. Yeah. So it's like, and it's like that grind. I think you could like, there's some people who like get this sense of, uh, I don't know. They feel good about themselves because they embrace the grind. They nose to the grindstone. Mm -hmm. And there's some parts. I love the pain. Yeah. And there's some parts where the grind is stupid and you're hurting yourself. You know, like there's, there's athletes who train too hard and they ruin their bodies, but they're the smart ones who train just enough Mm. and don't ruin their bodies. And, and uh, the grind could be the worst thing where you're just like, I got, I'm not thinking about anything. I'm just thinking about working hard. And it's like, well, you need to have the perspective to know maybe this work that you're not working smart. Or you're not right. You've been working, working legs in a negative for direction. 14 days in a row. You know, let let your legs rest and work your freaking chest <laughs> or whatever it is. Totally. And I would love to be the guy. I think maybe my ideal situation is the guy who comes every three months and is happy with that. You know, it's like here's my new jokes. Uh, I'm just gonna come to Mike, and maybe they maybe they're funny, maybe they're not, and then back into the night and not have to be a part of the community or worry about anything. Just kind of get my comedy fixed every once in a while. Right. Get the personal satisfaction out of it. But that, but I don't think you can that way. I feel like you don't think that's a possible dream. That's you're not asking for much. Every three months, you're gonna you're gonna like shuffle together five to ten minutes of jokes, and and then be not worth it though. It's like if you're trying to be a a long distance runner and you only try it every three months, you know. Well, again, are you trying to be K Hart? Are you trying to? I don't know. Because if if I'm on the verge, I mean, you're obviously not though. You've decided you're not. You started and continued your entire time not trying to hustle at the K Hart (laughs) level. You were one foot in, as you said. Yeah, and um, yet you still somehow expect and hold yourself accountable to the success <laughs> metrics of someone who's hustling at a detrimental level. I guess so, man. Is that um, fair? No, that's certainly fair. Why is that fair? That's not fair to hold yourself to that standard. Uh, that's what I'm doing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's reality. It hurts. It's the comedy is the only thing I've ever expected anything out of myself with because I think it is a natural skill I have, and so I do think I could. I know I could do better. Even, you know, if I put in the work, I know I could do better. So I know I'm leaving a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of money on the table when it comes to dedication because I'm, you know, because I don't want to. It's like, it's like a, a, you know, some some. I remember a fighter. He was a really great fighter, but he said I just don't like fighting, and so he quit. <laughs> You know, but it's like, he was amazing. Like he was right. uniquely talented. Like there was men who could work as hard as he could for years and never get where he was, but he just didn't like it. And, uh, and you need both. If you want to be <laughs> top, like. What a curse. You need what to be curse. naturally so talented. good at something you don't like. And work hard. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and so I do. be good at something you don't like. That's interesting too. Yeah. I mean, I think but, a lot uh, but, of comedians are they they stay in comedy because the good ones that are the ones that are naturally good because they can get such a huge reaction from such a low effort threshold and they can yeah. get by on doing the same five ten minute set for years and years decades yeah but that's and there's so many like traps like that in comedy that are so mm-hmm. hard to avoid too like the one that i was desperately trying to avoid that i've seen other people fall into is king of the open mic i'm like mm. god i don't want to be this person the person who rules the lowest rung of, of stand-up comedy. <laughs> right. Like, God, kill me before I'm just, like, bragging about how much I kill it open <laughs> The lord of the garbage pile. Right. Exactly, yeah. King of shit mountain. That There's kind of a, there stuff. There is a certain uh, rugged honor in that, for sure. But <laughs> why, why is that bit. something you wanted to avoid so 
so much. Because I didn't think it was, it's not a person I wanted to be. Like at every level of comedy, I think there's people who I've seen. Because, you know, I've been around a little bit and seen a few people. I've just seen like, oh, that's where it could go bad. Like no right. matter what level of comedy you're at, it, it could go bad. You know, yeah. you could have like the the D-level touring comic who goes to uh, met at like Looney's who's like a gross person. Yeah. Or, or, you know, the B, or the person. For sure. Yeah. And so there's a lot or, of who else You're going to name another gross person. <laughs> Do you have any gross you know, comedian archetypes? There's I'm sure not, they're not as gross. The one I'm obsessed with right now is the clueless comedian that puts out content and posts and jokes at such a consistent, an impressively consistent rate. They're prolific. <laughs> while getting next to no response, while providing next to no value, and just being <laughs> like using the same picture from the 80s or 90s low res image and then putting a new text block on there and posting that same image every day for years and just not not wavering do they ever wonder is it working do they ever think they should re-strategize and just <laughs> I'm amazed by their their fortitude they're uh they're oblivious which is pretty nice right like isn't that a nice existence to live or you just don't know you know like i feel like Idiots or uh, what is it? Uh, being dumb is bliss. I can't remember what the saying is. Yeah, ignorance like, is bliss, but I don't think so. It's, a, it's really situational. If, like, if you're blissfully getting, you know, sex and, and grapes in your mouth every day, that's great. But if you're yeah. blissfully, like, trying to <laughs> putting out bad content, be somebody who you will never, ever, ever be, and people oh. are trying and, like, you're getting no feed, you're getting, you're not understanding that the no feedback you're getting is telling you that like you need to if not stop then change things yeah like, yeah i think that's what yeah like learn and grow you know like oh this didn't work i might adjust like some person who's just like this is my one note right when i'm playing i'm just going to keep playing this note even this note sucks it's a shitty note that's crazy you never learn like to how, play the instrument there's so many i think that's an interesting uh category of the delusional comedian mm -hmm. um and i've always i've always been really afraid of being that person too i've just right. like i remember some guy who went up an open mic did okay and then came up and said to me man it feels so great like you know just doing comedy killing all this energy i'm like you're full of shit you're this is bars half full and you did bad like <laughs> right. you're, are you convincing yourself that was a great energy moment like it, it wasn't that's you're, a sliding like, scale the economy of laughter right he got one guffaw and thought he got a standing <laughs> o and it, and i think he was just like he knew what people told him comedy should be. And he was just like, that's what it is, man. I feel great every time I go up. The, the energy, it's like, that's not, you You think this is what that, this, hmm. this is not what that was. This exists, that exists, that like great energy feedback. Right. But I, you know, it doesn't exist all the time. And I don't like to pretend like it. it is there when it isn't. You, you, know, <laughs> you know, you're at, that's, it's a great example. And it's a, it's another two-sided one. Cause that person is at one point, innocent, sweet, and just trying to like, Maybe do what you do, or what you were saying, go up every three months, get your jollies and go. But then on the other hand, are they really just like bringing everyone down? It's shitty and somehow they're getting some good thing out of a bad situation. <sighs> Comedy is so, there's, that, that doesn't exist in other things. Like you can't go to the gym and then like improperly work your muscles out and smack <laughs> the thing against the wall and, and then all of a sudden you're like ripped. Like it doesn't. <laughs> But you know, but people hate that guy who's using the equipment wrong at the gym. Everyone judges them, you know. I mean, like it's. But you know, what? his heart rate is up, and that's the point. He's doing right? something. 
That's a good point. So who I are guess. we? Yes. Yeah. I am bothered by bad comedy though. Don't you see somebody who's like a really bad comedian? Like, what the fuck do you think this is? Like, more more you're overrated. Trying to be Dane Cook. Right. Right. You hate you. Oh, overrated. You don't like yeah, overrated. Bad comedians. I I'll only. Because, I mean, you have to be bad at some point. And if you're trying yeah. to not be bad, that's one thing. But if you're just, like, embracing the kind of bad you are and you think, mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm an edgelord or something. I'm going to – all the shocks and all the gasps in the audience, that's a reaction. It's not laughter. You're getting – you know, just people who are digging into their wrongness. You know, I don't blame you for being ignorant of good comedy technique if you're open to yeah. learning it. Yeah. But if you yeah, turn I your back on it and you think you're the shit – Edgy for the sake of edgy is my least favorite form of comedy. Yeah. I hate it. It's a big like, one these just days. Be, just talk about, just be honest. And if you're edgy, if you just happen to be edgy, then be edgy. But like, don't like go, I was a hated Carlsman Sia would do that. It's like, I'm going to say something offensive. And I'm like, Get shut ready. up. <laughs> right. Yeah, shut up. That's not what people say when they're being rebels. Good Lord. You know, punk rock people don't go like, hey, I'm about to be punk rock. Right. They just are fucking punk rock. Right. Lenny Bruce right? is just dragged off stage after he says it. He doesn't <laughs> yeah. give a preface preface and everything and he's doing it because it's honest to him i think honesty is like the biggest thing when you're a performer that's like easily uh you could see if it's not there mm. and i think it's the most important thing is just being honest and it's like if you're if you're being a an edgy guy and but it's not you you're just saying like oh man i love stan hope or i love this i gotta be edgy it's i don't i've never seen it work it's just not a good way to go yeah you gotta be yourself I mean, there's something about watching someone bomb with that that will make you not like them as a person. Whereas if you watch a new comedian bomb with just like honest jokes about life and observations, yeah. you kind of feel bad for them and you want to you <laughs> help them and you want to get, you know, but there's this like, what's up fuckers? That, I'm, I don't want to help that guy. That's the first thing Unless you say to me him. on stage. Yeah. <laughs> Unless that's him. Unless he's a what's up fuckers guy. You know, but, I'm not looking Yeah, good. I love seeing new people that are like, you're like, oh man, they got the raw the raw parts to be a really good comedian. Like they've come up with the jokes might not be there, but they came up with like premises that are unique and I haven't heard before. I'm like, that's all you need. Like mm -hmm. that's the, that's the good. I love seeing that. I've like, when you're like, Oh, this person has good premises, uh, you know, like that's a big thing for me. It's just thinking of something in a different way than someone else has thought about it before. And that's what I, if I see somebody do that, I'm, that's my favorite type of comedy. Mm. It's just like, I haven't thought of it that way. That's an interesting perspective. Yes. I right. love that. It doesn't make you think of your own stuff and I should write. It's, it's like, oh, it's, how does that measure up to mine? It's like, no, that's just great and I appreciate it. Thank you. But, yeah. And I might get back to liking comedy too when I quit. Well, yeah. I sometimes ask, I have trouble watching. Watch? Do you watch, what's, do you watch anymore? What's it like? I still watch a lot, but I'll turn off a lot of Like I won't give stuff a lot of time. Like I'll watch the first 15 minutes. If it grabs me, uh, I'll probably, I'll stick with it. But if it doesn't, I'll turn it off. <laughs> and... But I, you know, you know, I've heard that my, my, I've heard comics now instead of leaving their best joke for the end of the special, now they yeah. start with it because people, I guess, like you, you know, don't want to finish the specials. Yeah, I think you could tell that with like even like uh, like Jim Jeffries it's is one of my favorite that, specials. Though. Yeah, you you literally start with a sentence that is uh, provocative, mm. you know, and that that's I think Bill Burr started his last special like that. Oh, you command. just start. Right. Boom, with a fucking provocative statement. I mean, and that's and good when it's done that. well, but when it's not, then you're talking about those edgelord assholes we were just mentioning at the open. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it wouldn't be good. But like, it, it has to be, and I've stolen that fucking joke format for so many of my jokes that I've realized it's like, oh, my joke is start with a provocative statement and then 
go to the the, the meat of the joke. You know, I I, I've I don't even know if that's format. A, something to steal. It's like a more of a technique than a like a rubric. But I, I get what you're saying. I yeah, mean, but it's but, like I when I look at my bait. jokes and I'm like, yeah, it's like I oh this has the same structure as this joke. You know, like mm-hmm. I've been lazy sometimes with that where it's like oh, I'll use the same exact trick here. You start with that statement like I like getting my wiener wrapped in toilet paper let me explain no 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 whatever totally i mean that's about the level my my bits are at yeah (laughs) my wiener left that's another thing too just like hating it's a fun yeah yeah (laughs) it's a good bit it's the other thing too about quitting is i just hate my material too Mm, like i'm like this is some lowbrow shit like i've got some lowbrow shit and I, i would have to work hard to like bring it up to the standards where i would want it so i'm like i don't know if i have the energy for that i'm like i might just stick with this lowbrow bullshit you know, like I don't know. I you just, just really want to get that low hanging fruit. You are. I don't know, or it's just my like it's that like, three month hobbyist. Just come in know. and do all the jokes, all the Kardashian and Bill Clinton blowjob <laughs> jokes you want, and then. Uh, you know. Yeah. So we'll Sorry, see. Yeah, that's, your, that's another thing too. Your material, yes, and and the way that having Maybe. your material can hold you back to, because it gets yeah. laughters, laughter, and even though yeah. you want to move on, do you do you ever flirt with the idea of burning it all, and you know? Like I'm trying to see whatever I'm going through as part of comedy. Quitting comedy is part of comedy, in a okay. way, because it's going Death to. That's a part of life. It's going to let me cool off. It's going to let me get new perspective. It's going to give me the freedom to analyze those old jokes and decide which of them I truly am not attached to anymore and don't define me and are holding me back. back you know, whatever. If I decide to go back, but it's a, it's letting me like redefine things. Um, what do you think you'll do? Do you think you'll just continue kind of like coming in and out every once in a while? Or do you think you'll I've been out for completely quit? No, I mean, I still love stand-up, man. I do. Uh, do you? But almost in theory more than in practice. Yeah, I wonder. Ah. I st- it's like when you're out, you're like, I still do public speaking. And I still like, yeah, I have a, I have a thing with my friend where we teach people how to be better public speakers using like ideas from comedy world, the comedy world and stuff like that. And it's great. Yeah. It's so rewarding. And it's like small rooms. For, um, I don't know, stuff like it, but I, I also am not feeling like I need to get my ass out to the mic unless I wanted to, for some reason, like to work on a stand up themed project or, or, okay. or if I wanted to work on jokes, cause I'm still hopelessly creative. I'm still like trying to make videos and content yeah. and explore things. And that's what I'm getting a sense from you right now is that stand-up's too narrow for you. Like you really need a more well, ver- like well, I don't know, more like full, a full featured way of expressing yourself. Cause that's hey. the other thing too about stand-up is it's an old art form. Like even the people who are selling out comedy clubs are like sometimes Instagrammers and YouTubers and not people who went through like an open mic right. leveling up system. So it's like maybe you would be better, get more progress in a stand-up career if you just went and did really funny YouTube stuff. That's, or went and that's what I'm did. hoping. Everyone subscribe, Daniel Reskin. Uh, <laughs> I don't have enough subscribers to have TikTok. a unique uh, uh, URL yet, but I'll, I'll, oh, really? once I get to hundred, we'll see. Okay. What about TikTok? You, oh, would you boy. be? Would you kill it? Would you be a TikTok star? I might. I might just like, you know. I think I'm half joking, but there's a certain physicality that I always appreciated in comedy of like the Jim Carrey school. Yeah. That I denied to a big part doing stand up because when I became the stand up comic, I was all like, "Let me use my intellectual thoughts to stimulate me." <laughs> and, you know, eventually, of course, act outs and stuff got a little more character, and I learned to act, but. 
I think it was something that I stifled and like, I always love that just insane, like physical, ridiculous humor, yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, and TikTok and little Vine, all that kind of stuff is great for short little stupids, you know? And you can resent yeah. all those people for like getting popular. A lot of stand-up people do resent yeah. the YouTube and the, the social media people that fill comedy clubs, not from doing stand-up. But at the end of the day, stand-up's about making, comedy's about making people laugh. If you want to be a purist, that's wonderful. But I think being a yeah. purist is like increasingly closed-minded, especially when so many people doing stand-up can, can innovate the whole thing and turn it on its head and get all these yeah. people, you know. Yeah, have you ever seen a Bo Burnham special? <sighs> right. It's yeah. like, I wouldn't call that guy a comedian. He's 10 times better than a comedian. He's a fucking entertainer. Mm. Like there's, there's so much, if you're just, trying to be a stand-up i get it it's like a, it's a cool it's like being a boxer it's like i'm really good at this one way of fighting but like uh, bo burnham's like mixed martial arts where it's like i'm good at all this shit interesting you know? and i do think stand-up i think stand-up might just be old you know like it, there's something and that's good and bad you know it's like this old art right. form where it's just a it's person with a microphone. In a way. right yeah but, but it also can be stale it's just, if you do the same thing forever totally and like there is like a people thinking too much about comedy, you know, like sometimes mm. there's too many, like as we're on a podcast talking about comedy, there's too many <laughs> oh, people right. out there thinking too much about it. And there's not enough people going like, that guy's got a funny looking face. And he's, <laughs> and he's I like to see him fart. Yeah. yeah, dude, like fart, farts and falling down the stairs might be the most like fucking edgy shit you could do right now where it's just, it's it, literal it's not edges that you're falling off. <laughs> yeah. It's not politically minded. It's just the perfect mix where everyone can enjoy it. And yeah. I and I might open myself up to more of that. It's like, okay, this is the old way of doing it. What could some where's something where I could get this energy out, but in a smarter, newer way? And who knows what that could be, you know? Right. So it's kind of exciting Not in that limiting way. Yourself. Yeah. Taking off the stand up hat is scary as hell, but can be extremely liberating. Yeah, dude. Like totally if I just if this just turned into me making silly comics with like one liners at the bottom and I you know, and I'm me putting that online. Maybe that's a cool thing where this could transform into. Right. I would love it. I mean, who knows, man, but I, I just can't, I don't know if I'll ever, I've fallen in love with the stupid thoughts that I have, like the bits that I think of, mm -hmm. I got to give them a home somehow. Like maybe make, maybe get a tattoo every dumb idea. I get. <laughs> here's, here's this, like, you're like, look at it. Isn't it weird? You know, like, you're like, I stopped doing the horrible idea of stand up comedy, but I have the great idea of getting physical <laughs> tattoos every time I come up with a whim. That's great. Would that be great to share all your bits? That'd be interesting. Like a, a sleeve of all your favorite bits. Like mine would be a sleeve. lot of dick jokes, a lot of lowbrow dick shit. I know there's some unsuccessful comedians out there who probably have uh, set list tattoos that they can draw in and things like that. I don't know. I say it's unsuccessful. I'm like, you're 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 worried about the wrong thing. No, that's that's kind of more of that diehard commitment that I appreciate but don't understand. That's like yeah. I'm gonna get a, my, a tattoo of a microphone. But also some of it's phony, though, you know? Some of it's like, this is what a comedian does, and I'm going to be a comedian. I'll get a tattoo of a, a microphone. But some of it's like, you're playing a role. You're not being real a little bit, you know? Right. I, I get that sense. You're playing and I, game, I character. Yeah, I, yeah, I desperately try never to be a character. or like, And so I've never pandered that much. To well, like get well a here's a messed up thing, is that I hear that to be successful as a comedian, you have to be a character. And you kind of have to define your personality in such a way that people can put their finger on it and repeat to it and be like oh that comic 
they're kind of scared. They're kind of funny. They're kind of greedy. They're kind of sexual. You know, there's, there's a certain kind of characterization that you almost have to do where you blunt yourself to, to get it, if, especially for that mass market appeal to, to really trying to kind of make it quote unquote, I feel like people are, are doing niche stuff more than ever, but it's, it's the, uh, the idea of like, I don't know, molding yourself into a product where that might right, not necessarily reflect who you are or what's best for you as a human or for yeah. a productive life, but is good to be a funny thing. And that's what we're essentially trying to do is make people laugh. But yeah. At what cost? That's the question. Are we trying to make yeah. people laugh at all costs? No, we're not. <laughs> like, you know, you had some, maybe we have reservations. Why not? We need, Why not at all costs? Because we have jobs and we have personal uh, I guess so. needs and wants and we want to be in productive lives and healthy <laughs> relationships and have hobbies. Yeah, but the... But, you know, what do you think about Larry the Cable Guy? Do you think that guy's an ass or like is bad because he's doing a character that he may or may not agree with and just kind of pandering to the, the yeah. lowest common denominator? Yeah, I've, I've come a, like full circle and a half on Larry the Cable Guy, honestly. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you have deep thoughts about Larry the Cable Guy? Not, Me too. Not so much deep, but just, just nuanced because I try to it, – it's so easy to just say, oh, he's pandering, he's – you know, there's a brilliant David Cross article from years ago where he goes into like the psychological nuances of how he's like patronizing the very people who support him and how it's this kind of weird like country blackface thing, you know, Um, when, because he's very much Dan Whitney, a non-hillbilly fella. Um, But but at the same time, I've seen him be so nice and so respectful to so many people talking shit at him and kind of trying to like, (sighs) there's... I, I'm interested in his fight for legitimacy in the greater comedy world. It's very interesting. Uh, I'm, that being said, I'm not trying to watch him. It ain't for me. You know? <laughs> I've enjoyed a Larry the Cable Guy special. I think he, he buys good jokes. Right. Like he's, he right. has good joke writers There's, that he buys jokes from. I listened to him in Tampa in college when people would like put it on and I was there. And I'm like, yeah. it's, you know, it's funny, whatever. But, but right. And I might come down on Larry, Larry the Cable Guy's side over David Cross. Yeah, what, what are your feelings? Oh, man, I don't like David Cross at all. <laughs> just because there is like a pompousness to his perspective and like a smugness that I don't like. And I think there is a sense of Larry the Cable Guy. It's like, hey, we're just having fun here. You know, we're just here having a good time. And uh, uh, he's just trying to rain on our parade. There's a, the, you know, it's the last thing we were talking about essentially was head funny versus gut funny. Gut funny is so much better. Like we're talking about that gut, and well, here's the, it's different pleasures. You know, it's like the the process is so important in head funny. It's like eating food. Yeah. Like gut funny is fast food. Gut funny is a big greasy burger in your face, and it doesn't matter where it came from or what where yeah. what it's going to do to you. Yeah. The brain humor is a farm to table curated experience from a farmer's market garden and you need to know everything about the ingredients and what goes into the pot before you eat it. And when you eat it, how is it going to affect you? Am I going to listen to the kind of comedy that makes me this type of person? Uh, you know, but on your deathbed or like on death row, are you going to want the greasy burger? Probably. Mm. The well, greasy burger's better. Well, now I'm not thinking about my future. No. But if you're asking me as a 20-year-old, do I want to eat a, a greasy burger every day? And is that going to yeah. lead to a, a healthy sustainability? <laughs> Maybe not. Well, so here, so like one of my favorite comedians is Mark Norman. I like the way he writes jokes. He writes really good jokes. But I will laugh. I enjoy the laughs I get from Tracy Morgan way more. 
mm. of his just like the Norman versus Morgan defense. <laughs> yeah, it's like a. I read that thesis. That was a very. <laughs> I love Tracy Morgan, and he'll just say non sequiturs. Yeah, that are so fucking funny. That are just you. You couldn't write it like he's just himself. And I, well, Tina Fey. I wrote love him, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How weird to write Tracy Morgan dialogue. That's such a fun job. Yeah, it's you like just, we got to put silly. You have, to have shit night terrors and write the first thing you scream <laughs> out in the middle of the waking up. Yeah, yeah. So I you <laughs> know. pregnancy, but yeah, no, he's <laughs> he's great. And yeah, it's like a you can choose your favorites, but why choose? Of course, everyone's gonna lean on one more than the other. But right, you got your your Three Stooges versus your Abbott and Costello. You know, one was. Are you are you too positive to say who's your? Fle- so I have a famous comedian who everyone else likes that I hate. Hmm. Do you have one of those or are you too nice? I don't know if I'm too nice. I don't know if I can think of anyone right now. I mean, I, I definitely hate a lot of the people that everyone hates. <laughs> like, oh, yeah? you know, your Jeff Dunhams and stuff like that. Oh. You know, like, I don't I don't like what he does, but he's great at it. That's the nicest thing. Billing Vol is my biggest. Like, this guy sucks. Mm. I fucking hate Billing Vol just because he sucks. Just like the, <laughs> I can tell, just like the watered down, like, bare There's bones to it. effort. Right? It is watered down high C. It's like rejected like, sitcom family jokes. It's the shape of comedy. It's not comedy. It's like, oh, this has the rhythm and pacing of comedy. I can't but believe it's, it's not comedy. Yeah, this is margarine. I'm looking for butter. It's weird. It's yeah. And Crystal is the other one. I just don't understand. It's what it's weird when the people well, love he's a Justin comedian. Bieber's favorite comedian, so I get it. Do you think that's why? He's, but people love him, man. No. Like I have fights with JD, like almost fist fights. Oh yeah. Where I'm like, I don't like him at all, and he's just in love with him, and I don't, I, I don't understand that at all. Right. Isn't that weird? I, I have no strong feelings on oh, yeah? Chris Delia, too nice. I'm afraid. I don't know if it's something nice. I just He doesn't bother me too bad, but he also hasn't swept me off my feet. I think I've seen him do a couple things. Okay. Yeah, this, oh, yeah, there's so many comedians, too, and so many to keep track of. You get to that point where you don't want to see anyone else to see what you're doing, but you also have to keep your finger on the pulse of comedy, whatever that is. A little bit. But, or just define the pulse of comedy. Have you had this experience where it's like, I need to quit because I, my references are stuck in, you know, 2001. It's like, I can't, I'm not going to pull out Billie Eilish out of the back of my head. I'm going to pull out Christina Aguilera. It's going to make me sound 80 years old. Yeah. Like my references, my references have aged terribly. You know, that's, Do you have that at all? that's part of maintaining the this wooden ship of comedy. You <laughs> yeah. take it out for a sale and then you know, all of a sudden the Jefferson's reverence doesn't work and you need to update the third rock from the sun, you know? That's just <laughs> yeah. That's how things are. That's I mean that's the kind of stuff that I do miss about being a comedian is the just being so warm and loose from having performed regularly that yeah. like you could literally be in any moment and someone could be like, Hey, can you do five right now? And I could. You know, yeah. and even though I'm the type of person that would send me into a panic spiral and be like, oh, God, do you want me to do that? Da, da, da. <laughs> like there was, there was an employee Christmas party, holiday party back in Miami. Oh, and I was only like two or three years into comedy. And, you know, one guy's a DJ and one guy's a rapper and people are like doing stuff. And they're like, oh, I'll do some comedy, Dan, do some comedy. And I was just completely more. I couldn't like I couldn't. I was like, no, it's not like I just got yeah. this thing in my head that said that I'm not going to do it tonight. And I was like, that's different. You got it. And then Aww. like just trying to make up excuses of people and people just just yeah. wanted me to go up there and say, hey, how's it going? Just goof off for yeah. a second and get down and didn't even have to do my act or whatever. But holding myself to this standard, I like I got to prepare. I got to have a good thing. I got to <sighs> and just, you know, I'm the kind of person that will overthink things 
wanting yeah. them to be perfect and then do nothing. Yeah. And I think that happened in comedy a lot where I'd be like, oh, I got to go try these new jokes tonight. But oh, man, I spent some time I'm five minutes late. I don't want to get there late to the mic. So I guess I just won't go. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a uh, paralysis because you're overanalyzing things. And I, I you mm. know, so much of that has, has, has been anti-productive for me with trying to do creative things. It's just like, just do it. Just make something. And if it sucks, it sucks. But you, the, the getting to the end point is the most important part. And you get better yeah. at the end. It's hard to do though, because I'm so afraid like of failure or just like right. I'll, I'll, I'll be at the starting point of a project or something. And I'm just like desperately procrastinating because I'm so afraid mm. of, of just the undertaking that is. Once you do it, it projects. can suck. Once, it, once you actually bring it into real life, it, it can could be suck. not as good as you think. And you could yeah. feel bad about yourself and everyone can hate it. And, but that's the thing. It's like, no one cares. No one, they'll look at it for a second. Yeah. If it sucks, they move on. And then next time, maybe it's a little better. It's, it's so yeah, it's a big thing. Nobody cares that. about you as much as you do. Like literally that's almost on all accounts that is always the case. It's like, no one's thinking about you as much as you are. Mm-hmm. And I've, that's another thing I've been trying to pu- push into my head more. It's like, nobody cares about me. You know, like none of this shit matters. Like no one's going like, ooh, Patrick didn't go to Mike's or like Patrick has bad jokes now. Patrick sucks, you know, like right. nobody gives a shit about me. Like I don't need to be worrying about that, but that doesn't that doesn't match up with how I feel, you know, like that's how I feel. That's how I logically feel, mm-hmm. but not how I emotionally feel. I that's, feel uh, that's the brain versus gut almost. It's like you bomb yeah. at that five minute open mic and for the rest of the night, you're thinking everyone knows I'm a hack. But in reality, yeah. the moment you're off stage, you have left everybody's mind they're looking and evaluating the next comedian and thinking that they're a hack so it's like especially if you've been doing it for a long time you're like what the fuck man Mm. everyone i started with is either doing bigger shit or quit and i'm here not being mediocre at an open mic like what the fuck like how could you not want to quit after that how could i mean i would i'd question your your the way your brain works if you were doing open mics for an extended period of time and then working then it went through a period of bombing and open mics and didn't go like man maybe this is just not worth my time like it just seems like a logical reaction to it's it's shit. weird because if you painted the end of that story with success then it would become an amazing success story that you'd hear on a well, normal comedy podcast it? right it's like I, the I, outcome's important i struggled and i banged my head and i kept going i put my head down and i worked harder and i kept at it and i kept you know and we reward we apparently reward that but what we don't reward are the people that work hard and keep at it when they just shouldn't be and they can't pick their head up long enough to be like i'm running towards the edge of a cliff not a highway quitting is a good thing to do sometimes like that's the thing that i've learned in life is like sometimes the best thing you do is quit and then like not you know cut the cut the losses stop the bleeding Hmm. sometimes knowing when to stop is the most important thing in life is knowing when to quit and like who knows what that is but you know, I'm just learning that. That's my wife. Yeah. Hi, wife. Say hi. I had a cat earlier. Hey, you want to see my cat wife? Look, she's on the floor. What a silly cat. Oh, we could show. Now she's All out. All right, she's out. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. So, right. That's a big thing. There's a lot of dualities. There's a lot of like issues in comedy that it really kind of depends on how you look at them, where you are and who you are as to whether they're positives or negatives. Yeah, totally. And I guess that you could say that with anything in life is like, it's the perspective. Um, but I think 
I think it's a negative at this point for me. And that's why I want to stop. Mm-hmm. So, so you're pretty, just, you're pretty decided. I talk a big game. Like, this is like when you say like, <laughs> I'm going to go on a diet. I'm like when you're really gung ho about a diet right uh-huh. now. And then two weeks later you're eating cake, but I know it would, but with the, with the, with the quarantine, I do see the benefit you're of having com- Yeah. I have a forced comedy quitting scenario. <laughs> and I'm seeing a bunch of benefits. It's like how you can see the sky, the mountains from my house now. It's like, <laughs> right. oh man, the, there's not pollution. Good. And I'm not having to worry about comedy anymore. And I'm not worrying about these shows. And I don't have to drive all these ways to maybe go to a half decent show. It's like, I am seeing the benefit of not spending that time. And it is because of the the pandemic giving me a forced break and you, and you see the benefits. Right. With your diet analogy, it's kind of like if the whole world just stopped selling bacon and ice cream and, yeah. and like fatty foods and everyone was just forced to deal with it. It's like, yeah, all we got yeah. vegetables now, man. We had a, we had a weird winter and all we got is Brussels sprouts. How, so you're going to have some people <laughs> lose weight. How do you think that, um, I mean, it's just so weird to not talk about it for a second, but coronavirus uh, yeah. affecting stand up. There's definitely a lot of people who are bouncing off the walls right now, but yeah with just statistics of thing, there's a lot of people who should quit comedy that are going to get out of it sooner. And there's people who <laughs> are just falling in love with comedy who are yeah. sadly going to, you know, miss the, the train. A little bit. And I think too, like, I might not go back because I don't want to, re- cause it doesn't go away. You know, like it's something we're going to have to live with until a vaccine is, um, uh, is created. And so it's like, I have, family members who are older and have asthma and have a lot of the, the, the things you worry about with this disease. So I'm like, do I just not go out anymore? Cause like, if I go to comedy works, is it reckless because I could bring something back to my mom? Who's who I don't think would do well with this disease. So it's like, mm. even after the restrictions lifted, where does my own personal responsibility to people around me continue? Because I could get somebody, I could carry the disease after the restrictions drop just as easily as I could before it. And, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, so I think that could be a deciding factor in me so doing weird. comedy. Yeah. It's just, I don't want to spread rate. disease. <laughs> yeah, know, like literally. Usually people would say that they're talking about their material, but you very no. literally are <laughs> disease. And it could be, spread. you know, and right before they had all the restrictions, I was telling my wife, it's like, okay, I'm not going to go to Mike's for two weeks. I'm going to see what happens. And that was like the Thursday before, uh, like the Monday is when everything got closed down basically. And the Thursday before I told my wife that I wasn't going to go out for two weeks to see what happens. And um, that Thursday I went out because I was just like, hey, I need to go out. You know, like I still went out even after I had make my plot room after I said I wasn't going to go out. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I, the, the drug pulled me back into the real world uh, before the government pushed me back into the, the rules pulled, pushed me back in. So who knows what happens when the restrictions get lifted, but I do, there is a, you know, I'm trying to extrapolate and going like, I mean, it's still not safe. Do you, do you think that's an easy crutch to lean on because it just simplifies all the other reasons that to say coronavirus? Yeah. Like I quit because of that. Oh yeah. It'd help. It'd help. If it's the fucking thing that helps me do that, <laughs> that makes sense. You know. Thank you, coronavirus. Of, yeah, for giving me an excuse. Because some of it is just like, what what are you going to tell people when they t- ask you why they quit? And some and that might never happen. But it's like, oh, I quit because of the coronavirus, and and I didn't want to infect my family. And it's like a good answer to 
to it when I was like, I just hate, I started hating it a little bit mm. and <laughs> you know, yeah. So, that's that's a huge part is talking your identity with your family with your friends yeah. the 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 whole thing you built patrick's a comedian hey does everyone know patrick he's a comedian yeah like is there that's almost harder than quitting with yourself is alerting all the people mm -hmm. in your life that you've yeah. given up on your so-called dream mm -hmm. uh, i feel that a little bit less i don't you know because I would actually enjoy telling my uncle that I'm not a comic anymore, so he could stop tell stop telling me jokes all the time. You can use that in your in your skit. Yeah, it's very sweet. He's a very nice man, but it, it also goes like, okay, can we get this over with so we could have a normal conversation? Uh, but so I'd actually enjoy the that that part of my where I'm just like, nope, I'm not doing that anymore. Because they always ask me, still doing comedy? I say yes, and then that always kind of never evolves into anything because they really don't have any questions. No substantial that. conversation about the art form no. whatsoever. Just like, no. uh, well, a funny <laughs> thing I heard. Yeah, and I want to have that conversation. I'm like, yeah, you know, go into my, you know, get, have some material that I like. Like I want to actually have like an in-depth comedy conversation with them, but they don't want that. And right. so it just never goes anywhere. So it'd actually be nice. Just go like, no, you can't expect that, that except from a comedian, sadly, or, or just <laughs> the comedy nerds that are out there. Yeah. Those are always the best people. And, and with, in that same vein, what uh, thought experiment, you're still in comedy, someone new is introduced to you and they go, oh, Patrick, oh, you're a comedian? Tell me a joke. Yeah. What do you do? I, I go, no, no, don't, no. Oh, come on, man. That's just <laughs> one joke. You don't got to do your whole act. No, I'm not. I have no problem oh. being a stick in the mud. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it really, really ruins interaction sometimes. <laughs> right. I thought you were a funny comedian guy. <laughs> or, or sometimes I'll do just my do my joke with the, the newest one that I think is really great. I'm like, okay, let's just do this. I'm like, here's you tried it. Before, right. Then you get to that moment where you're like, let me actually give him a fucking joke. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Never goes well. It's like, okay. No, but it's it's not bad either. Okay. Because sometimes I have some nice quick jokes that might just be oh here's a joke there right. it is okay little cool. one-liner yeah that's helped too just having like a i think every comic just for that situation should have a uh a joke holstered just like a quick quick joke hey it's a public that's service but you're right you probably should it's so easy to yeah. just be like fuck you oh what are you you're a doctor can you look at this mole on my ass yeah. you're not a you're not at your job and there's so much <laughs> yeah. nuance to creating comedy there has to be a stage and a thing and you know that's like it's just feeling yeah. that pressure and feeling, I don't know, getting too serious about it. It does, it does annoy me, but it's, I've been, been doing it long enough that the people who I talk to in my family, we have the, the back and forth standard thing and then it goes, then, it, then we could go, go beyond that. It's just like a de facto uh, conversation starter. Right. And so it's you think it'll nice. just be generally easy with your family? They're not going to be like, oh gosh, what do you, they're just going to be like, okay, well, you stopped doing comedy? What else is I'll just stop telling you shitty jokes and I'll figure <laughs> out some new intro to our conversations. They might still tell me shitty jokes. I, in fact, my uncle, I know he That'll will. That'll probably never stop. Yeah. Yeah. He might just do that all the time, but uh, I don't think it'll affect them and then that much because oh, they were never that interested anyway. Right. Yeah. And it was, it was always nice to not casual be interest. I always, I always hated getting the, the identity of a comedian because then it comes with, I don't know, expectations. Right. that I'll never live up to because I'm just low energy, kind of a, I don't know, a judgmental person who's just always judging people in his head as he walks around the world mm. and uh, is pretty quiet. So I, I, I can't live up to your idea of what a comedian is ever. 
Listen, well, well, what what that idea is is what your idea you're putting in their heads, and what what is the idea of that archetypal comedian that you're expecting these people to expect you to be? Fun, and wants to be around them. Just on, and I don't on even when you're off stage. It's enjoying their company, and I don't. I generally like I'm kind of like a loner, and so in those situations, and that's happened. I'm like, man, I wish I could get out of this. Mm. And so, uh, and I don't think that's what they think of a comedian is. I don't think they I think that a comedian is uh, hungry for their approval with laughter. And I've never been that way inside of conversations. I'm just like, okay, well, let's have a conversation. And if we're if you're interesting, it might be fun. If you're not, then we could go through like the de facto conversation milestones and get through this. Right. But but you, I'm 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 not I'm not on ever. Yeah, you know? yeah, we can tell. Uh, is there? Hey, is there? Um, uh, like, damn, insulting you made me forget that question. Uh, Good insult, though. Yeah, it was it was easy. Blowing it through. Um, <laughs> let's see. This has helped me a lot. Yeah, well, that's, I was just looking that's for it. a therapy session. Yeah, like, you, you it's, reached it's been out, really helpful. You reached out, right? Someone to somewhere to like vent these frustrations <laughs> for for a comedian that's going through it now. Yeah. So a lot of the viewers who are interested in this show are people in your shoes and my shoes uh, in various offshoots of outside of comedy. Um, what would you say to these, to other people who are questioning quitting and their resolve in comedy and like, what should they think about or look at or do? I think they should quit. I think if you're thinking about it, you should do it. Hmm. I think that's a good advice. Just, just do it. Because I think you're probably going to end up quitting anyway. And I don't think I'm worried about like telling the next Louis C.K. to quit. <laughs> well, you might. That's debatable these days. <laughs> <laughs> or, okay, the next de facto. I'm not, if, if, it's, like if, it's like, okay, this is another fighting analogy. If a boxer is talking about retirement, they should retire because they're, they're, their heart's not in it anymore. Because they're and starting to question the, the, the yeah. power. Yeah, I think if you're thinking about quitting, you might just quit and then it, you'll probably, you could come back anytime. Like there's no in and out, like you could start and stop comedy anytime. It's going to be there. And don't worry, worry about what other people think. Just do what you, do what you need to do. Hmm. And that, that includes relapsing on comedy. Right. Do you expect you'll relapse? We'll see. God, if I'm just become like this really happy yogi, like I just dedicate my <laughs> comedy time into yoga and I just just fucking get really svelte and really happy. I could, I could see that world happening and not coming back. Uh huh. Cause I think once you break it, it's, it's like any addiction is, or well, maybe not. I think once I get far enough away from it, it'll be easier. But the closer I am to it, the harder it is to get away from it. Once I got like a year and a half out, mm-hmm. I think I, I, and I'm not on social media cause I think I need to not see people doing stand up cause I think that'll make me jealous, right? Like crazy jealous. So um, quit comedy, get off social media, and be happy. And uh, and you know, and maybe see if I could channel this into a better, more productive thing. Like literally, like I've been doing yoga every night. Oh yeah. Um, during this quarantine, and I fucking love it. Good for you. That's awesome. It's been fun. Yoga's awesome. And you could you could still get that same kind of challenge, um, and growth in something else that I did that I got out of comedy. It's like okay, this is this has been really helpful. So. I just need to find find a new a new hobby. 
Dude, what do you, what do you, yeah, what do you, so you're finding things in yoga that you are excited about in the way that you used to be with comedy? Yeah, like, oh, like the growth is just the, the progress is just the thing that I like. Oh man, I could, I could touch my toes now or I could, uh, right. this doesn't hurt as much. And, and there's, there is something that's great about a physical accomplishment, you know, like any uh, comedy goal is so intangible and like ethereal and like hard to like, hmm put on a shelf or do something with or show somebody right but if you but like physical gifts you're like or achievements you're like look at me i could fucking plank now or i could do this and it's and it's going to make me live longer and or make me happier <laughs> and it's like there's just so many places where if you're just being logical you're like man if i put my time into this i could be a happier more productive person and it's hard it's getting and then quitting comedy is just me going like it's harder and harder for me harder and harder for me to ignore that fact is that maybe there's more productive things I could do with my time and be happier, healthier, live longer, have a better family life. Uh, you know, and, wow. and uh, you know, yeah. that's, that's the Re truth. Realizing that comedy is bad for you. Yeah. In a way that yeah, it or at least, wasn't yeah. or just is now it's yeah. Or yeah. Or the level of comedy or whatever comedy is for me, like the time commitment of driving and, and sitting and, and uh, that kind of stuff. It's just not, it's not you worth be, it. You like could be downward dogging, baby. I could be downward dogging and and really enjoying it. And like I do enjoy that. It's just like that meditative state of uh, of the yoga where you're just kind of like in a pose that kind of sucks, and mm -hmm. you're just kind of like trying to zone out. And uh, so Find that could be the thing the that I'm into. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's better better for me. I, I'm pumped for you in that, but also I'm kind of <laughs> worried that like as someone who's done yoga, I feel like I hit a plateau. I, I used to be extremely excited about it when I got yeah. uh, started in it and was doing it twice a day. And now many years later, I love it. But now I'm like, oh crap, I haven't done it this week. I need to do uh, <laughs> Maybe, you know, I wonder if the plateau effect has something to do with it. And there's a certain type of personality that you're just gonna want to do different activities going from the beginner to the intermediate phase. You And once you get there, you certain, as an intermediate, you understand what it would take to be a master in a way that an amateur does not. Yeah, And you can make the decision, do I want that? Because there's a huge gap from intermediate to master, to advanced. And that's the, the difference between like being it, you know, getting made or whatever it is. Um, now I think that summed up a lot of this conversation right there. It's just like, I've gone far enough to see what it would take to go farther. Hmm. And I'm not up for the journey. In, when it comes to comedy right you can see over the valley and you're like oh there's a snake pit there's quicksand there's a, a monster pit uh maybe i'm just gonna go back to camp and i'll yeah. just like make cool stuff and hang out with my people and you've met enough people who got trapped in the sand trap or got bit by the snake and you're like okay it's it's a, it's a hazardous path mm. that, uh, that that gets a lot of people and i hope i don't hope, hope that doesn't happen with yoga i'm like in five years, I'm just on some yoga podcast, going like, "Man, I just fucking disillusioned by yoga." <laughs> you were a you were a prominent yogi, Patrick, and you <laughs> threw it all away. I was a respected yogi. You didn't commit to it. You you had two one leg in and one leg in the air. <laughs> and, uh... Yeah, yeah, but it's a the, the the quarantine has been very revealing and helpful in like in what a world without comedy is say your son starts flirting with the idea of getting into comedy, what would you tell him? Definitely do it. <laughs> it's fun. Um, depending on how old he is too. Even though like he's a baby and he wouldn't understand what you're saying to him right now. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Why is he telling me? This? I mean, he wants right now sentence. to do it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> then do it, man. There's COVID, it, baby. <laughs> if you could, if you could be a, a nine-month-old with a killer bit and go on America's Got Talent, I think you could do something. Mm. Like if we, if we could get him to have a good five minutes, yeah, we could definitely make. Some a lot money. of those videos of like way too young children killing on stage. Do you ever see those? Yeah, and it's like, okay, we know your parents wrote it for you, so this is your <laughs> dad's bit. So it is kind of weird. Yeah, you're a good actor, right? Yeah, you unless they know. wrote that, man, I would love to see like an actual funny kids written. The kid wrote the stand-up. I mean, comedy. there's some. There's some. I, I, I have tutored a, a middle schooler to write a stand-up bit or something one time. Oh, I actually fun. never got to follow up. I imagine it went terribly now because I, I sat with the kid and his mom and talked about all kinds of stuff for a few hours, and I I didn't hear anything back. So I should follow up and see if the kid uh, bombed, or, bombed or crushed in his He was like that guy report. from Seinfeld, just started yelling obscenities at the crowd. Like, oh, this went, this went terrible. Yeah, yeah. Comedy's for everybody. I did teach him the Kramer School comedy, yeah, so I was just like, if things get crazy, just yell something uh, naughty. Terrible. Yeah, yeah. Worst thing you could think of, like just really, yeah, the worst <laughs> thing. Just, just yell it over and Man, over again. That's one of the, one of the possible outcomes of comedy. It's one of the, yeah. the the crazy rides the old comedy beast can can buck and buck. Yeah, I do um, relate to that a little bit, where the guy was just like had nothing else to do or was angry, and then. He just did the worst thing in the world, and like I, I could kind of relate to that. Can just you like being being in that situation? Yeah, totally. Just, just in a general sense, not necessarily saying what he did, but just being, really any, being so yeah. insane, like trying to throw a hail mary pass that like doesn't work out. Is way in the wrong direction. Takes a big swing. Yeah, yeah. The guy took a big swing. Yeah, there's a lot of pitfalls. There's a lot of. I mean, <laughs> the whole we're all, we're almost bordering into like regular comedy podcast territory by like louis ck and all these people but that's part of getting out of comedy too is i haven't i haven't necessarily interviewed anyone yet i hopefully one day will like interview someone who's like bombed their way out of comedy or i don't i don't know everyone i know is cool and excited insightful and funny so actually i don't think i'm going to interview a lot of those people well there was one guy i remember when i was at the lion's lair he went up for his first time nobody laughed it went really terrible and he went from the stage to the door and left and I was like, that'd be an interesting guy to talk to. He's like, man, I was scared to shitless. One time, one and done. On. Left the bar immediately. <laughs> was like shell-shocked from the amount of uh, amount of bombing he just did. Like it was, I didn't remember that guy. That guy, was, that was probably seven years ago. That was probably when I started. Wow. I saw that guy. And I'm like, I still remember him. And, you know, that could have been me. <laughs> right. And who knows? Like, it's like, I almost wish it was. Could have, no. been, I mean, like, could have been a big yogi no by now. <laughs> yeah. But you wouldn't know how to talk to your classes. So No, I'd be shitty. You'd be like, um, I'm just going to adjust your... Okay, I'm not going to adjust you, but like your elbow uh-huh. looks kind of weird. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> now you'd be like... I'd still be bad at that. Open I would your third chakra anybody. from the rectum forward. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mind, mind crazy. Well, uh... I don't know how, who, uh, should I send you the bill for the therapy session? Because comedy therapy. Yeah, totally. I'll venue Venmo Several drink tickets, okay, is what this is going to cost. I'm still in the comedy economy. Um, (laughs) What's funny, I have like a, I just have people Venmo me comedy money and just sticks in my my Venmo and I've never used it. 
and so many people have been having like GoFundMe's or like stuff, and I've just been throwing that comedy money oh. out as like charity stuff. So it's like it's it's just there sitting. It's not real money to me. So it's like being generous, but that doesn't even affect me at all. It's kind mm. of awesome. That's very. That's a great kind of poetic way to to tie it up. Yeah. It's like all the the monetary benefit you gained. You, I mean, you're you are a kind of a not even hobbyist because hobbyist has so many negative connotations to it but just someone who is into comedy to do comedy and like yeah not thinking about how they're going to climb the ladder to success and fame and not worrying about being one of the goats or something but just like trying to make people laugh trying to be funny trying to figure this thing out do it and that and and at the same point what you didn't get was the expectations of that mindset you still had the expectations of a comedy hustle mindset. Yeah, I think it's helped me too because I but, think you, you, yeah. you could like get weighed down by that. So you, by it sounds like you've released it. You've released. You're you're releasing it. You're letting go of the beating yourself up for not turning stone into gold when like <laughs> you weren't trying to do that in the first place. I guess. I guess so. I mean, now that I think of it that way, that does make me feel better about it. Good. You know, you know, because because yeah, I was putting weird expectations on me myself. I think. Who knows? Yeah. Well, damn, Patrick. Yeah. 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 I don't know. What were you gonna say? I don't know. That's just that's where I'm at. It's like that's how I described to you in that message, like on the verge. Like I, I'm very much still trying to figure all this stuff out and how much I'm dedicated to quitting and how much I'm dedicated to not quitting. I think, you, like, I think I, you need to start thinking about redefining more than quitting or not quitting. Redefining. Was that like, how so? Redefining your relationship with comedy. Oh, really? Yeah. Not necessarily expecting to either be on or off with like, am I a standup or am I not a standup? Am I doing the grind or am I nothing? It's like, no, I'm going to do Patrick Scott style comedy, which entails me writing on these days. It entails me going out to an open mic every so often. It entails me putting out this kind of crap. And I'm going to find that awesome, like, that, something that works. No, that sounds good, too. That's what I'm trying and to I do. Might be, and I might become a prop comic, too. I think I've been always wanting to become a prop comic. <laughs> Left turn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that might reignite my love of comedy when I just start dragging a trunk to all these open mics. Uh, <laughs> I really think that's a goal. I want to be a prop comic. You know, comedy can, once you, you get in there, people go, oh, prop comedy's hack. Guitar comedy's hack. Improv yeah. is hack. And you're like, oh, I kind of wanted to try those things, but I guess I won't. If I want to be cool, I'll make ironic observations and ultra-personal admissions. Yeah. And, and I'll be woke and righteous. I'll be what people, what I think a comedian is. Right. Yeah, so prop comedy maybe is my new comedy. You got, you got any openers? You got any uh, any any contraptions you've been thinking about? Oh, what was it? The only one I thought of was like, <laughs> and this is how bad this joke is. I have to preface that. <laughs> it's like, you know, when like white people say something, they say, oh, I have a black friend. It's okay that I say that. I was going to make like a notebook with a picture of that black friend and his phone number and his email address so that you could get in touch with him so you know that that's my friend and I have, he's let me say this thing I'm about to say. So it was like a, <laughs> I'd get like a yellow notebook and just put, a, put a bunch of pictures of my one black friend. In the, <laughs> and in, like, here's my notebook here. That, 
You know, I like it. Racial emergency contact cards. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you have one I for all the it. different races. Right. You know? Totally. It's like, oh, talk to my grandma. She was Hispanic. You know? Like, <laughs> here's my 23 and me. I can say this. <laughs> you know, I think Mencia would be very interested in this bit. Oh, yeah. That's got hack written all over it, that bit right there. <laughs> uh, that could go either way. Ra- racially. No, you know. Not, oh, not, edgy, not to, like edgy not to racist splash stuff. The punch in your face, but yeah, yeah. It's... Oh yeah, and also, you know, I think Wait. that's funny, and some people might think that's offensive. That's also a thing that's like, I have trouble with too. It's like I think that's funny, but other people, especially, I think Denver's a little bit more, uh, not into that kind of comedy. And I think it's like a nice edgy, a nice riding the the line of edgy for me. Yeah, this I, coming from Miami, racial humor was a lot more loose and. Um, kind of open and yeah. I had to really refine things and jokes that weren't even offensive. I had to retool when I got here just, <laughs> just to kind of frame them differently and yeah, man. not do the Jamaican accent all of a sudden. And like, <laughs> <laughs> but, but also, you know, like I'm, I can't be stubborn about that. That's just, there's a certain amount of like, I'm not going to change for comedy, but a certain amount of like the world is changing and comedy changes with the world. And you have to be up to date with shit, like to a certain point, unless you're unless your genre is not being up to date with shit, which is bigger these days. In the magazine, it could work, but like, yeah, I I think some things some people say some things, and I just think it makes you sound stupid immediately, and so I don't like when people say certain things that are just kind of like blatantly offensive or just like ignoring how some people can get offended by them. So I I do see that 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 side of things too. Were you always thoughtful for the Um, audiences and stuff? Not really, because it's like, I do think that offensive shit's pretty funny. And I'll say it. But, but you're thoughtful not, in how it I know they're going to, I know that it's offensive to some people, but I do, but I am like staunchly believing that it's funny. So I, I, I will do it, but I won't like, it won't be a part of the act because it, it doesn't get a good reaction, but it's like, this is funny. I think if you were to loosen up, it could be a little bit more funny. Mm. And it's just not the biggest thing in the scene is that kind of edge walking like there's there's no there's no home for that edginess around here you think um that if you had done exactly what you did in another place and time that you would have got different results um definitely like i went to houston this year and i'm like man my goofy colorado bullshit does not work in this mainly black houston crowd Mm. it's like i was way too cheesy and white for them and I was like, man, that was another thing where I was like, oh, I have so much more work ahead of me if I want to be better is, is that I'm so Denver specific. Uh-huh. And it, w- it would take a lot of work to get better because I just fucking was terrible in that room. It was, this, <laughs> it, w- it was, you could see the Colorado all over me. And when I got off the material and I was able to be funny in the moment, I got them. Right. And so I would have to go there and work hard at um, getting those crowds that I just don't see in Denver and uh, figure out why they're not into my fucking cheesy bullshit. But they, it was, it was so embarrassing. Like how, <laughs> how corny cornball my shit was for that Houston crowd, which yeah. was like a late night, I'd say like early twenties black crowd. Like it just didn't work. They were not into my fucking- I mean, those shows are a wake up call and they're a blessing. I mean, getting to do road gigs and gigs outside of your circle. That's one of the things that makes a, great comedian truly great yeah and it made me feel so defenseless i was like man i thought i was able to handle anything and then i walk into this they disarmed this, this you situ- 
You thought you had was, your comedy sword in hand and then clunk? Oh, it was just turned to, turned to smoke, man, as soon as I swung it. And I had to, like, I had enough skill to, like, figure out in the moment how to make things funny and adjust to the, the situation at hand. So I think if I was in that situation more, right, I would adjust pretty quickly because I... You had some comedy bearings to get yourself out of there, but right, that's, yeah. how, that's how you develop that stuff is by going through it. But my toolkit was full of a bunch of bullshit that they weren't, like, you know, like I, I had my base funny, but all my tools on my tool belt were like 30, per, 30% effective. And it was like, it was crazy. It was like, whoa. You were the wrong, really? you were the wrong type of Pokemon. Yeah, dude. I was, yeah, I was a, I was a, I was a rock type trying to fight a water Pokemon and I got rock. Come on, dude. You're never going to work. Erosion. It's like in Pokemon Yellow when you had to fight Brock with a Pikachu. Like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Electricity on electricity? Oh, he was the stone. Right, right. Of course. He, yeah, had, yeah, yeah. he had the onyx. Oh, that's not... I mean, we're talking about dark memories. Let's not get too dark here for the <laughs> podcast. I, I thought this was going to be a non-explicit episode. Yeah. Welcome back and to that, Poke Talk. <laughs> I've done a Pokemon podcast. I'm, I'm well... I could, I could do that very well as well. I'm sure we could segue flawless <laughs> seamlessly. At the, um, yeah. So that, and even seeing that thing when I was in Houston, seeing how much work I had to do was also going like... I'm not going to commit to doing that because I'd have to like travel more and it's just not in the cards. Especially uh, now. Especially now. So Did you worry about like before you had a child like that you were kind of making a choice that this is going to remove me further from comedy whether I want it or not but I want the kid? Like, Yeah, I think it's part of it. I think having pulling the trigger on that because we were, we, were, we were waiting to have a kid for a while Used a gun just be- to shoot the baby into the <laughs> wife? Wow. Kind of. Pull the but, trigger. Uh, okay, cool. You know, you know that you, there are sacrifices. And we did wait a little while because I knew that those those are real and I can't ignore them. And so um, we did wait a little while to have kids. But yeah, like they come hand in, hand in glove with sacrifices as long as you're trying to be a good parent. And so I knew that there would be sacrifices. And since he's little and goes to sleep, around now it, it was easy to go out um because when he was when he was sleeping you know my wife could doesn't need the help mm-hmm. but um when he's a little you know so are you are you too good of a person to be successful at comedy i don't know or you just or maybe you could have if you were faster at it you could have been shitty not competitive quickly, enough. but not competitive <laughs> right. enough I think a little competition would have, or like a competitive right. edge that, and confidence would have. Yeah, have you ever had that long. thing where you see other comics and you're like, I can't wait to be funnier than them. I'm gonna destroy this room. These comics can't touch me. <laughs> no, never it's so felt weird, that right? way ever. Yeah, me neither. I I remember some comic. Uh, he said, I asked him about when he started. He said, like I saw Aaron Urist killing, and I went, I want it. And he said, I wanted to do that too. And when he told me that, I thought, I saw. I won't say the comic's name, but he was a terrible comedian. And, he, and I thought, well, if he could do it, I can do it. And so it was kind of a, <laughs> the other a comment. Yeah, I was like, that guy sucks so bad. I could do this shit. And his was like, that guy's great. I could be that great. And so it was mm. a, a very much like a, an example of our, our different perspectives on comedy. And that person's more successful than me. And I think it's because they that's how they view the world. They're looking up you know? and not down. Right. Yeah, not like, not getting what's, in their what's way. the low bar that I can get over? Not like, Oh look, yeah. there's a hurdle I can jump. Like, yeah. They, they, yeah. They're looking sky's the limit for them. Hmm. And that's the way they view the world. And Until I think reality will smash them one day. It probably, especially with comedy, since there's such a low statistically, 
it's yeah like yeah like i have a better chance of dying the coronavirus than being a uh, a, a good comedian who makes a living you probably like, I think literally. You have a better chance of dying by the coronavirus during an open mic live stream yeah than being a success like at the actual during a, <laughs> on your closing and the punchline <laughs> yeah and i think those are real numbers too that, especially now when rough. there's like a million comedians are like, there a million so comedians comedians. is that there's worldwide tons. there's tons or like people at my level yeah I'd wonder, over I'd wonder what the numbers are. It'd be interesting if, to see the comedy census, if there are a way to see like the, your age and comedy or your, you know, your commitment level, that kind of a thing. Yeah, I mean, that'd be cool. I never want to let that kind of stuff. De- well, that's the thing. You want to let it deter you when you're not a hundred percent confident, but you do want to find something that no matter the odds you can excel in and everyone is good at something. So like, Literally, everyone, if they could find the thing they're good at, could excel at it. But yeah, we don't always choose the things we're good at. We don't always find the things we're good at. Or there's a million people trying to do the thing that you're good at, and they're better at it than me or or whoever. <laughs> and you just can't do the thing you want to do because you don't have the skill to do it. And I think that's what I've, I think and I feel about myself is I don't have the skill to, hmm. to actually make a career of this. I, you know, I've seen the people who have come and advanced and I, I think it was before, because of reason and I think it's because they were better and funnier. And I think that kind of breaks my heart a little bit admitting that, but I think it's an important thing to admit is that I'm not as good, I'm not good enough to make a career of it. Mm. Yeah. So, that's so huge, I mean, that's a huge thing to admit. And I think that's much further than most people flirting with comedy can like just outright say uh, it's tough i mean whether it's and, and whether it's true or not too and it sounds like yeah. you were very pragmatic about this at the end of the day you're you're someone who is assessing the grand scheme of things and you are looking at the odds and your happiness in relation to those odds and you're making very very deliberate and and like not not dour but like realistic yeah just sobering realistic choices um well man i would uh i would hope my son doesn't think this way because the way you describe this describe that to me i'm like man that guy sounds like a bummer oh (laughs) you know i thought i want i want my he makes the world go around that guy like provides the basics for society i want my son to be the guy who saw the good comedian and wanted to be that good not the person who saw the bad comedian said I could be better than that because I think it's a better way of uh, viewing the world. Mm. Um, and that's not the way, like there's certain parts about getting older too. It's like, I'm not, I can't change who I am and who I am is like a, and it's not going to serve me. Like my deathbed, I'm going to be like, man, I wish I was more positive, but it was, it's just my genetics or my, <laughs> I'm stubbornly holding on to my negative point of view of myself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, God, it's it's not helping me, but it's but I can't. It's I'm so that's not it's how I live. It's how I think. I can't. I mean, it's providing you value. It's I mean, if it's the the car you drive around in, and that car has given you the the nice life, you know that you have. You know, unfortunately, the seat is uncomfortable. You know, <laughs> and maybe one day you can switch that out or get like a massage bead thing on your back. Yeah, but, yeah. I would just. It's like yeah, and I'm I don't, and I'm a generally like. It's a, it's not unhappy. It's unconfident person. And I think that it never serves anybody 
to be unconfident. I think blind confidence is could serve you very well. Even if you don't have anything backing it up, backing yourself up, confidence is like fucking the, is so important to any sort of success in anything you ever want to do is just believing you could do something even though the odds are against you. And I just don't have enough confidence in myself to think that way. Hmm. Do you think you ever will be able to? No. There's so many things about getting older and like having a kid makes you think about death more and just how soon it is, just like in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. And like how how much the person I am is who I am and I can't sh- and I and I could do I could do things to make it better but oh god man I it's 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 hard to change who you are and I'm just innate I have a terrible uh uh confidence level in myself that's terrible mm. terrible and uh hopefully I can work on it but it's like I I might take it to the grave do you do you suffer from zooming out too much Zooming out. Oh, like thinking See, about things. Seeing the, you know, the, what can make our lives feel especially short is when we zoom out and see just what a blip we are on the cosmic radar rather than zooming into the second to seconds and moment to moment, how life can see really long. It's, it's so relative. Um, I wonder. <laughs> yeah, I, don't know. I mean, it just seems like uh, this is the way having a kid has made me feel like the world. Like I, I feel like I'm okay with the next stages of life, like getting older and dying. Mm-hmm. Like I do feel like since you hit, I've hit more life milestones, like having a kid and, and getting married and things that like death has become more real to me and I'm getting less afraid of it. <laughs> so weird. And, yeah, dude. It's the more you live, becomes... the more you're reminded about death and then hopefully you end up fearing it less and less. And I think the kid has had a weird effect on that. Like I feel like having the kid has made me strangely more accepting of my mortality and i think it's because i've fulfilled my biological thing where i've cloned myself so i could live beyond my death and so like biologically i'm feeling a little bit better <laughs> right with not existing so that's the gut one and when we talk about gut and brain it's like yeah i have the brain one where i'm like oh god i want to create that great work that persists beyond yeah. me and something that can at least survive for a couple of years you know nothing's going to survive forever um but you know, both of these things are, are kind of programmed into us, whether they're healthy for us or not. And, yeah. and although a lot of times they can, I mean, it sounds like it's made you feel better, at least by lifting that, that weight off of you genetically. I think so. Because when you accept it, it's better. Like when you accept that you're going to die, it's just way better. You think like if you ne- you- never had a kid, it would be different? Or is that just not a possibility you always wanted it? Oh, I, I always, we're always going to have a kid, but it's just weird how it changes you in a way you never anticipated. And one of it is just having less, um, I don't know, care about myself and more care about him. Like my, all my thoughts and care were always on top, were always on me and thinking about me. And a lot of that has been offloaded onto him. And there's like a piece that comes with that when huh. you care about somebody more than yourself that I think is something that I've been amazed by how freeing it is, is to care about somebody more than you, than you care about yourself. And it, is it the things that, that real estate used to be used up by parts of you that were caring about unnecessary things or ego. Just the stresses you've realized certain things you were stressed about are no longer uh, bothering you. 
I, my son's starting to walk and I was like holding his little hands and he was taking steps and learning how to walk. And that moment was uh, as rewarding as anything I've ever done. And so you realize you get that uh, reward through your kids and you, and, and you kind of, and it's better than a lot of the things you've experienced outside of that. And it has nothing. It's like the littlest things. Like he said, mom the other day. And I was like gobsmacked. I was like, it was, it was a crazy feeling that uh, I've rarely had moments of joy for myself as I had for his like little milestones. And so it just changes. Like it just, it just, wow. it makes you, it selflessness is a thing that you really have to think about when you're trying to be a good parent. And like, uh, I think that's been so helpful. It's just caring about him so much and being so happy for him and his growth and thinking about myself less. And when you think about qualities of a top comedian, selflessness comes in at <laughs> not great. Still processing at the several thousand. It's a very self selfful thing. Yes. But yeah, I mean, you could be a great comic and still love your kids, but I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but it's been it's been great. And I try I always desperately try not to be too cliche about talking about kid stuff, but everything I said is just one hundred percent true. I mean there's cliche and there's classic. There's just like it's true. Things that are timeless for a reason. And it is, it's awesome. That's, it's really, it's cool to know. Cause I'm, I'm a little ahead of you in the, in the comedy leaving, but I'm a little behind you in the life fulfilling thingies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, I think I, you get those things from a lot of different sources too. It's not just like, sure. You know, kids, this is the only way to do it. But it's just like, there's a weird biological reaction that kids give you that is just uh is weirdly innate mm -hmm. it's like oh this feels great like this 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 this, this uh, pleasure these rewards is just like so natural it's crazy it's weird because you know talk to me 10 years ago and i'd be like yeah it's because you settled you gave up on your dreams you had a kid and now you're just enjoying <laughs> all this kid shit and convincing yourself that it's the most significant thing in the world but hey guess what it literally is the most significant thing in your world whether you have a kid or not yeah. The the relationships that you can build when you're not surrendering every spare moment to the gods of comedy. Um, you know, it makes me think that the true winners of comedy are the people that quit. Yeah. You've I think that sometimes I used to work at a Target where a bunch of people like the turnover was really all the, it was t all the time. And I was like, look at all these losers quitting. Like I'm here working hard. And then I, at a certain point I was like, wait, all these people who are quitting the shitty target, the right ones, and I'm the idiot for staying. And yeah. I do feel like comedy is my shitty target <laughs> at the moment where it's like, man, maybe I'm stupid for staying. Mm. But we'll well, that's see. a good way to put it. I mean, it's again, it's coming back to like finding your relationship with comedy yeah. and, and nurturing that just like you've done with everything else in your life. And, and that's, that's helpful to me. I mean, this is just as helpful to me. Um, yeah, I think so. Talking, sure. talking to someone that's kind of going through I mean, it. And you have to be thinking about these same things. And that's the reason why you do this podcast is because you, you're going through the same things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I really wanted to quit, I wouldn't be doing this shit. I would, no shit, right? I would, I would just be like dancing and clicking my heels together. Yay. Um, yeah, no, it's fun. I think, I'm, I think there's a nerve here that a lot of people can relate to, even if it's not comedy. I mean, a lot of art and now more than ever, we are 
kind of pressured into monetizing anything that we like to do into possibly being the best and famous at it and putting it on, yeah. at least selling it online or doing something. And, and, you know, just the idea of living and just not, you know, contributing anything to the cosmic tapestry of just living a good life. Like, yeah. That's not Bouncing failure. That That's is. not a yeah, exactly. As long as you can like search to define what that is. Yeah, comedy is just a one piece of the greater puzzle, but it's such a an ingrained part of what we are that it's there's nothing like it. Yeah, I do love it. I think and the things I've been I listened to your other episodes, and I think there is a common vein of the 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 love still there. It's like a it's like a breakup. Like just because you're broken up with somebody or you know someone's not good for you, it doesn't mean that you still don't love them. Damn. And so that's how I just, I've, you know, I still love it, but it's not good for me. Yeah. I mean, life is long. Uh, We could talk to comedy again soon and get back together and get a couple (laughs) drinks one night. And then who knows the whirlwind We're we're down in the Bahamas. I did a show down in the Bahamas once. It was one of the worst shows I ever did in my life. Because it's too nice. Yeah, it was tropical paradise. No one wanted to sit under a tent with the comedy. They just finished a fishing tournament and they were gassing up their yachts. Yeah, they can't. You can't have. It's like having. It's why uh, sports attendance in Miami's not great. It's because there's better things to do. And, and like Wisconsin. <laughs> oh, really? No one has to sit in a dark room. You could be gyrating your hips in a flashing dark room. Yeah, Miami's not. I don't think. When I think Miami, I don't think comedy. Yeah, we, we haven't given you reason to, sadly, uh, <laughs> you know, but it, I love having come up there, but I definitely feel like I'm from some like foreign country of comedy or backwater neighborhood. It is weird. Um, it's a weird city to come from. Yeah. It's it, comedy wise. It was great. Yeah, it was great informatively, but looking back, probably could have left a lot sooner. Um, any any uh, regrets? Speaking, we've, we've come back to regrets. Um, any regrets that we can soothe or ease things that are still gnawing or nagging or stuff, something you'll have to remind yourself when, when those old thoughts start coming back. Oh, I don't know. I really don't like, I think one of the best things about having this conversation was the moment going like, Hey, I had that one achievement where I was like being in a good flow state and like being myself. And I'm like, that was worth it. And so I don't really have any regrets. Like I do wish I would have cultivated more friends and stuff and been more a part of the community. I, I never really ventured into that too much. Mm. And I think it hurt me. Um, I just missed out on it. It would have been fun, but I just didn't, I didn't, I, I didn't do it. So that's I a huge that's topic. Regret. Right. Yeah. The camaraderie just, and the behind the scenes stuff, how that influences your, your comedy experience. Yeah. And I've always kept a arm's length away from it. And I think it, didn't serve me very well because I think half of it is the relationships you build and I have made really great friends through comedy but I've never been like you know I never went to like the Denver Comedy Park day because I never felt comfortable doing it but I you know I think people would have been happy to see me there I know what you mean 100% with that stuff I would disappear and just feel like oh I haven't been out so why should I well I don't deserve the park day because I (laughs) didn't go to the open mics and slug it out with everybody the way you know, yeah. I did all that stuff in Miami and, and I didn't do it enough in Denver and I didn't forge this. I, I still am very, I'm, I cherish all the relationships I have made here, but definitely I can understand feeling like kind of an outcast with that stuff. And uh, I mean, yeah. that's part of the stand-up experience too, is it's such a solo 
lone wolf kind of journey that it can be hard to, for comedians to integrate into like a community, which is one of the things Denver is super, like amazing at really just, if not having it, trying to cultivate, making an effort to cultivate a safe, yeah. cool community. Um, well, I know when I started, it was so just too much drug use. I was like, fuck, I don't want to be at this fucking place where everyone's just doing drugs. So that's why I wasn't a part of it. About five years ago? I mean, probably still to this day, but <laughs> I mean, uh, is back it, then, are you talking about like one. the, the nonstop marijuana or like actual drugs? Harder stuff. I mean, like, like the mouth house days, like when I started, there was that, that house where all the comedians stayed. And I think there was a decent amount of uh, debauchery going on. Uh, and mouth I, house. And I was, I was like, what drug is mouth house? I've not tried that. <laughs> yeah. And then the, like the, the city closed it down or like they had like some undercover cop go in there with the dropkick Murphy shirt and like catch people doing illegal drugs or something. And they, they closed it down. Yeah, but it was just like a house where comedians lived and they partied and right. had shows. And that was going on when I started and I was like, Oh, this is not me. And uh-huh. I still don't, I still don't relate with that part of Denver comedy where there's a big, like, Hey, let's take, let's take acid and go to a fucking mu- uh, music festival. And I'm like, Nope, fuck that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I think not, not being good at the hang is something that I worried about as well. Like, I'm not good at sitting at a bar and just drinking drinks. Like, oh, I'm, really? That's not somewhere that eventually I'm like, can are we gonna go to someone's place and like yeah. get comfortable and like do something or watch or just talk in a more cool, like, it's just not, I don't like alcohol enough for it to, or like sports on the bar or whatever is happening. Like, it's usually just like uncomfortable seating and overpriced drinks. And I'm like not trying to spend a lot of money and yeah. it just kind of didn't make sense to me. So like, I'm not good at the extra ling- lingering, the extra hanging. And like, Dang. that's, that's when some of the real magic does happen is when yeah, totally. you close out the bar and you guys have nothing to do, but no one really wants to go home and you go to Denny's and then you hang out at the parking lot for another hour. And you know, if you get, if you get some of those times, I think you're lucky comedy if they can be fun with good people um but then again too much of those times yeah you age out do i want to hang out with a bunch of 20 year olds in the ihop parking lot no (laughs) you know right and in florida (laughs) it was a lot of like 40 year olds and 50 year olds and you know oh really there's an older contingent definitely a mixed bag down there but but of course it skews younger and those are always the hardest to hit the street because they have nothing to lose you know those are the people who don't mind staying out all night and spending their last dollar because they got they're still in their parents house and you know there's just less concept of time and value and money yeah and i've never been down for like uh i don't know what's it called making it seem like oh, the glorification of like <laughs> oh look we're, we're roughing it we're poor and stuff i'm like well at a certain point that gets really old too you know and i think that's why also i can't do comedy because i I don't want to be romantically living in a, a studio apartment when I'm 40 because I'm chasing some, right. some, some bullshit. You know, at the same point, as much as I agree with that, I would love to dream of a society that makes it easier to be an artist where you could survive longer and take longer to get good at art because there were better systems of support in place for society. And you could, you know, there's there's countries that do that kind of stuff that make it easier to be an artist. There's states that do it. You know, I yeah. I feel like it's a lot easier for me to do stuff here in Colorado than it was in Florida. I mean, yeah. I have healthcare here. I've, you know, I didn't 
back there. And okay. I got unemployment checks from COVID here. And meanwhile, Florida is a nightmare and no one's getting yeah. any of their stuff, you know? Yeah. So like, and to your, to your point, like, I know if you go down the list of like, Oh, here's notable comedians. You could also notably see how they're pretty well off financially and how much it makes them easy to uh, achieve hate their that goals. Point. I think it's, it's, it's not mentioned a lot. Like I remember like Pete Holmes going like, yeah, my dad was just like an oil guy. It wasn't a big thing. What do you mean? He was an oil guy. That sounds (laughs) like, that sounds like a fucking uh, Saudi, like, you know, Saudi (laughs) Prince money you have when you're trying to downplay it. And I think that's a common thread amongst a lot of comedians that really makes me sad. And the art world in general. Yeah. And so it is, it is a pursuit that uh, is easy to do if if you do have the security. Yeah. Security of the money. Like even like Kevin Hart, like his mom paid his rent for like a year while he was doing shit. Like, I mean, it's it's, it's pretty. I bet if you looked at all the stories, you're always going to have stories of comedians in their cars. And we, of course we love those, but you know, for every one of those, there's a lot more like, you know, when I learned Nick Kroll comes from the billion dollar Kroll security company or something, it's just like, it's, it's hard not to, make you appreciate them less i don't want to i still find nick Kroll very funny and i still enjoy him he delights me um but when you learn that you know it it's interesting like i guess we're in the we're in the kind of media landscape where we really are not separating the art from the artists mm-hmm. and we're we're figuring out where we lie on like what sins you can commit versus what you know, properties you have as an artist that make you truly great. Of course, we love rag to riches stories. We're never, more than anything, we're never going to appreciate a silver spoon story as much as a rags to riches story. Yeah. And it's just kind of the... But they can't help it. They can't help being a rich motherfucker, but... <laughs> yeah, and then some of that, you know, the good schools they went to help them be more analytical and, you know, like, it's, it's just, you know, you have a lot of benefits. To, yeah, it works. I mean... I can't think of, uh, I'm sure I could think of many good, you know, did it all themselves. Comedians weren't like a, a rich person. I try not to judge somebody also like, Oh, this person's rich. I don't, I value them less. Or I think like what they, sure. like they didn't have to put, they're still talented. I try not to judge people badly just because they're wealthy, but it also hurts my heart to see how ubiquitous, how, how widespread it is, is that the, a lot of uh, comedians who do well is because the, they're, the fact that parents have money makes it easier for them to, to, to do shit. To fail constantly. Right. Until they make it. All the it. time. Like there's, there's yeah. no, there's no risk. In fact, like the whole thing where I was like, can I do the risk? Is it worth the risk? They don't have to think about that because they have the safety net. Right. And so Which is where like universal basic income and concepts like that do come in and could, could equalize the field. Yeah. It's, that's definitely one of the many <laughs> frustrating things that can push you out of comedy and be like, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah, and also like I remember, I was listening to some New York thing. Some then they were saying someone has was a writer on SNL, and they just got it because their dad had asked them to knew Lauren Michaels and asked them to be on it. And I'm like, wow, man, there is a level where there is it is way easier to get into things because of that, of that uh, wherever station your parents are, or if you're just involved in these certain uh, right place, the right groups. time, yeah. Or just the the what's it called when you hire people you're related to the nepotism. The nepotism of it, which is not bad. Like I could, I could see how it works. Like if I was in a business and I could hire anybody and I knew somebody's kid who needed the job, I'd, I would probably likely give it to them. So I could see how it works, but also it's, it's, it's a, it sucks when you're like 
on the other end of it. Dying, dying to be on SNL or dying to be writers on SNL. And this person got handed this and uh, they, they don't get it because they're, you know, yeah. they're having to like uh, be visible in a giant pack of people in this. And it's just so hard to do. So it's. Yeah. So yeah. See, I mean, it's, it'd be nice to not think about that maybe. <laughs> right. That whole world. Like Take that think part about of your brain that. off. I mean, that pressure. I wonder if there's yoga politics. Like, am I going to worry about somebody being better at yoga than me? Mm-hmm. Like, if I was really, if I was like going to the same yoga studio every day and it was like an open mic <laughs> and there was somebody doing yoga better, I'm like, man, that fucking, that hack doing all that hack <sighs> yoga shit. Because heels touch the ground and the thing. Yeah, fuck yeah. We'll see. I mean, you know, it's because it his parents common. went to India and took him once. <laughs> yeah. His parents are rich, so he could do all these. Yoga retreats and all this shit. He got a real leg up. Ooh, good pun. Well, damn. But yeah, it's it's just. I try not to think about that stuff too much, but it is something that is that is very true. It helps if you're rich. (laughs) Yeah, that's a general advice to anyone out there. Uh, If you have the choice, go ahead and be rich. Yeah, things will generally work out better for you. You'll probably live a bit longer. Yeah, the percentages just go up, you know? You got a better shot <laughs> with everything. And you could always be back, as you said, you know, comedy's going to be there. Yeah. And like I said, maybe my, uh, I'll be best as an old, angry comedian. Or not not angry, maybe just an old guy. Maybe, you know, like Ronnie Danger. Yeah, the yoga's going to really cool you out. I'll be the yoga comic. I'm like, hey, man, don't you, don't you hate when people use your mat? Like, I don't know yoga comic <laughs> you're getting in there well cool anything else you'd like to to impart to the world no i think that's it man i think i really this has been very helpful for me been a good session i think so i don't know i wonder if somebody listens to this what they would think of it of like if some comedian who's thinking about quitting what they would think of it and i I don't know but yeah i'm just i'm in a good place with it i think that that pandemic's really put things into perspective and give me a taste of it and and it's been beneficial to me and so I think it's something that I could definitely uh, just continue after the fact, especially because there's uh, there'll be remaining concerns about um, getting it and spreading it ongoing until there's a vaccine. So I think the pandemic really helped me make my decision because it is the most prudent thing to do for my time and my growth as a person, but also just like, hey, I don't want to kill my mom um, <laughs> doing a stupid, this do going because I went to fucking uh, Lion's Lair. Or I went to Comedy Works. Right. Um, so I think that will weigh on me. I can't say that I, I'm going to go one way or the other. Like if I'm just going to defy the eye, like if I'm still going to go out, even though there's uh, some risk to it. But it does definitely force my hand and makes the, the decision a little bit easier because I have a valid reason not to go out. It's like, okay, um, I don't want to pick right. it up and spread it. And then we're also moving to Aurora. So it's a little bit harder to get to places too. So I think that could also. Oh, yeah. You're, affect- doing, a, you're doing everything you need to get out of comedy. Yeah. I'm. It's it's I've signed papers that make it way harder to do comedy. Marriage, <laughs> like, kids, yeah, house. a lot of papers. Yeah, so so I have every reason not to, and I think um, it will happen soon. And then I will waffle, and I will relapse, and then <laughs> I will live in the purgatory for a while, and then maybe I'll just out and out quit after some sort of large failure that like makes me go like, okay, I definitely need to leave. Like once I hit rock bottom, it's like the the analogy of a drug is very apt because I think I don't think I'm until I hit rock bottom, maybe I won't quit entirely. But I think like being a, a part-timer 
will probably force me to be a worse comic and bomb more and le- like it less. And so I think mm-hmm. one thing will lead to another. And, uh, you know, entropy, my comedy okay. entropy uh, growth. Right. I mean, there's a great quote that I love. It says, every new beginning comes from some other beginning's end. It was some Greek philosopher. Mm. I don't know who it was, but I yeah. think that's a, that's deep. That's a fine. Yeah, man, super deep. I, I should get a tattoo of it because it's so deep. It was John Stamos or someone, yeah. <laughs> but no, it's like, yeah, there's, I don't need to be sad about it. Good. You seem, seem like you're in a, a, a healthy space for, uh, for something that is a major life change. So yeah. thanks for, for being real with us, for sharing your yeah, journey you. in and out and through the art of comedy with us. Um, thanks for the three pa- f- free therapy. Yeah, putting my bachelor's degree in psychology to use for once. Yeah, that's nice. Got a lot off my chest. Hell yeah. Well, cool, Patrick. Um, should, should people follow you if they... Yeah, sure. I haven't been plugging people at the end because people don't really have much to plug these days. But you are you are walking. You're kind of blade right now. You're like half yeah. comedian, half not comedian. Then don't. <laughs> I think that's a good answer. Like, no, don't follow me. Nothing to follow. Yeah, no, I'll be quitting soon. So I'll yeah. be deactivating to everything. So don't don't even bother. Yeah, go. I'm gonna go garden. Hot diggity damn, gardening <laughs> and yoga for everyone. Well, yeah. thanks again, Patrick. See you later. Thanks for let me talk. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Good night. Click. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Good night.